We're live with a little echo. Yay! What's up, guys? Welcome to Tone Talk. Um, it's been a while since we did the show. I hope everybody's good. Uh, our guest tonight is Derek Eastfeld from Rev and Sean Tubbs. What is up, everybody? Of Rev and Guitar Fandom. Guitar Fandom. And Dave, and Dave Friedman. Hello. So, so guys, tell us if the, uh, the echo is unbearable. On my end, I don't hear any. Yeah, does anybody on YouTube hear it? Uh, yeah, turn your echo plus off, someone said. Yeah, echo, they say. You got an echo going on. Yes, we know. That's why we're late. And we're not sure why. Mm-mm. We don't know what to do. Um, you could all go to computer speakers and see what happens. Yeah. I can I can try that. You want me to do that? Uh, we haven't tried that. Yeah. major echo only in March. It's bearable, they said. Really? It's better now. Yeah, we're going to spend five minutes talking about the Echo. Um, but now it's gone. Mostly. I think Dave turned off his mic. No. Okay. Okay. Can you hear it? Very low, but I, now I have an Echo again. You do? It's coming and going. I don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah, I don't hear an Echo on you anymore, Mark. Okay. No, it's well, pretty quiet. Yeah. Well, good. we're going to just whisper. For the rest of the show. Hope you guys like that. It's going to be like the ASMR type thing. <laughs> hey, tone talk. <laughs> yeah. I like that thought. Um, <laughs> I like that thought. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, first thing I want to say is uh, you guys check out Sweetwater. That is our sponsor. Make sure you check out the link, the link. below. below. Uh, now, now, Dave, if you did anything, now I have Echo. Yeah, I went back to my Thunderbolt. Hmm. You still have it? A little bit. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I would say take off your Thunderbolt. Oh, God. I can't control the volume of my speakers. It's weird. Oh, God. <laughs> right? <laughs> How about now? Echo? Yeah. Well, I still have Echo. And now? Hello? Yeah. No, nope, nope. no echo. No echo. Okay, well, we'll go with the shitty audio. All right, we'll figure this out next time. But right now, I think we're good. I, I yep. just used this like two days ago. Huh, so weird. I mean, we were having echo last night when we tested, so. Yeah. Someone else's. It's Mark. It's your problem. Uh, <laughs> I might have to go get a new Mac, which it, it's like I just got a Mac, but. It's really in reality. It's like seven years ago I got a Mac, but <laughs> that's really old now. And no, I don't know how many years ago. Maybe five. Like it's, but it's definitely old. Um, so anyway, so guys, check out Sweetwater.com, our sponsor for the show, please. Um, and also, I wanted to share because if you guys have not been to their um, to their site, which is Sweetwater Gear Exchange, have you guys seen that? Sweetwater Gear Exchange, which is basically yeah. uh, their 
their competition, you know, their online sales and use gear and stuff like that. Yeah, it's like their reverb, right? Right, their yeah, reverb. Yeah. And to be honest with you, you know, I am not a big fan of reverb anymore. Um, because at least for me, uh, I, I see a lot of scammers on there now for some reason. Okay. People trying to reach out to you and try to buy stuff that, um, and then they, or someone just recently tried to buy an amp for me and they weren't legit. They wanted to do the deal offline and, you know, but they didn't really even want to do the deal offline. It was a, a, bun a bunch of crap. So uh, the long and short of it is gear exchange. I, I don't think has that. I think, you know, there's no seller fees right now. Um, so no you guys really, if you, uh, if you do credit, right. If you do the, cre the, the Sweetwater credit for your sales. Yeah, zero seller fees and zero transaction fees when you choose a Sweetwater gift card as your payout. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yes. Yeah. You buy something from them. Well, yeah, they know what they're doing, but I mean, it makes sense. But no fees. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we used to do a lot of stuff through Reverb, and now um, we, we don't do a lot um, direct anymore through there. And even our dealer network that sells on Reverb, most of them are pretty like pretty annoyed with how high the fees are now. And it, um, it doesn't affect me as much being in Canada, but like, I know you guys have a thing down South now that like, if you sell over, is it like 800 bucks or something on reverb well, this you year. have to report it this, this year? Like, supposed, yeah. You know, I was really pissed at that because, because I, I stopped selling stuff on reverb last year, thinking that that's what was going to happen. And then they changed yep. it. Wind up happening. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah 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 they they did do that to everybody and then people got scared um but yeah i mean gear exchange is a really great alternative guys uh if you want to sell your gear or buy used gear it's owned by sweetwater and if you know anything about sweetwater you know it's going to be run really well and you're going to have great you know customer service if if you need anything so uh definitely check them out all right all right um, and then also our other sponsor is, uh, fixpedalboards.com. Hey, hey, Mark, you don't have to talk into the mic. I feel like I need to. <laughs> <laughs> Am I like, like on it right okay, I... Well, it's, I mean, how is, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. Aren't you going through your computer now or no? no oh, you're not. Oh, never mind. I thought you were. Yeah. Well, can you hear me okay if I talk this? All right. Well, I don't want to be like, you know. So who's it. going through their computer? Sean? I'm, I'm just using my computer mic, yeah. And me. Mm -hmm. And you guys. I'm not. He's yeah. not. Yeah. Derek's got a whole. Fault. If Once we get into it, uh, we're going to look forward to hearing De Derek show off some amps and some gear. Uh, sure. So we're we're going to get into a whole bunch of stuff. That um, silky voice. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so make, make sure you guys check out fixpedalboards.com. Check out Tim and his website uh, if you need any upgrades for your pedal boards. All right. And enough of that. So um, I really want to get that, into this conversation with you guys. Uh, is fixed, have you on one forever. question, Mark? Sorry, yeah. on that fixed pedal boards, is that the same guys that do like the magnetic risers? Yes. I bought a bunch of stuff from them last night for a new board that I'm building for Nam. Like, and I, I thought that's what you had said yesterday when we were talking about, um, or when you mentioned them to us. And oh. yeah, last night at like two in the morning, I was going on and I bought like the 26 or 28 inch magnetic riser thing. Mm -hmm. That's badass design. Yeah, they're great. 
Yeah. Yeah. They use tons of stuff from them all the time. They got yeah. some cool, cool new yeah. little interface boxes and stuff coming out and stuff. That'll be cool. Oh, cool. I'll have to Google awesome. that. That's worth a Google. Yeah. Yeah, I've never seen it. Here, here's here's the way you, here's the way you'll know for sure. So they're also the manufacturer of all of Vertex pedal boards. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. Didn't know that. Okay. Cool. Okay. And then they do all our chassis and any metal work that goes through boutique. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Okay. Wow. Right on. Oh, yeah. I see him. Cool. I will check that out. Brackets and things and such. Yep. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. Dig yeah, it. That's very cool. Yeah. And he's getting more things too. And we're, we're in the process. We're going to be building a pedal board for me that's going to use feature those products. So awesome. So we're going to yeah. feature that on the channel at some point this year. Yeah. That's um, very cool. Yep. And uh, the last thing I want to address, guys, is I want to thank everybody who reached out to me, who saw my post or heard that I was sick. Um, and uh, you guys, uh, it meant so much to me for all the people who reached out to me and just wrote to me and wished me well and asked me how I was. And, you know, it's it meant a lot. And just to give you a real quick background, I I had passed out uh, from working out too hard and uh, I was I wasn't drinking enough. As you can tell now, I've got this big bottle of water that I'm drinking uh, all the time. And I'm trying to stay hydrated and, you know, stay, stay healthy. So I was dieting and acting like I'm 20 again. So, um, and I'm not <laughs> as much as I'd like to. Be. So, so, uh, so everybody's well wishes really meant a lot. I really, really appreciate it. So thank you all for reaching out to me and saying great things. So I'm on the mend and I'll be, I'll be fine. Hopefully. So many more years of tone talk. All right. So um we've got a bunch of questions already from people guys i promise we'll get to your super chat questions um but let's dive into uh rev and sean and and all that stuff so when did rev start derek so uh technically it started in 2012 um so my partner dan who's our president and designer uh he started designing amps. He had been fixing amps locally and he's a, or he was a singer in like a hardcore slash metal band. And he, he played a bit of guitar, but was never really happy. Like he really likes modern high gain stuff. Um, and he was never really happy with the amps that were available, especially here. Like I'm up in like just outside of Winnipeg in Canada. And I mean, we don't, we don't get a lot of boutique stuff up here at all. Um, you know, it's pretty much you had the options of PV Marshall, uh, Boogie, um, Orange, and man, like that's that's most of what you had the options of when him and I were, you know, in our teens and early 20s. So he uh, he decided he wanted to start designing something that, you know, would be a better representation of kind of the voice that he had in his head and what he, like the sounds that he wanted. So he uh, took about two years, year and a half to two years to design the, the Generator 120, which is like our flagship four-channel amp. Um, and then I met him because I, uh, I own a screen printing company, and he needed somebody to screen print chassis. And he brought down, uh, originally it was just plates that were on the chassis, not the chassis itself. And he brought them down to me to, uh, to screen print, and 
I was like, man, I'm like, you should bring the amp down. I'll do your printing work. No problem. I'm like, I want to check out the amp. And at the time, I was playing a dual rectifier for high gain tones in like a pop punk and hard rock band. And, uh, and then a Fender 410 DeVille for cleans. And he brought the 120 down. And I've, I've always been a huge boogie fan, but the generator kind of fixed everything that I didn't like about my boogie. So it's different than a boogie, but you know, I, the same complaint a lot of guitar players have about the rectifier, about the low end being really muddy and you have to, you know, use a boost pedal or something to tighten it up. I was also not smart enough to use a boost pedal back then to tighten it up. So I just dealt with the fact that it always sounded really boomy and muddy. Um, yeah. And th- it was the first high gain amp that I had played that sounded like that. Cause prior to that, I had always played whenever I played Marshall's, the ones that I always had access to up here always sounded really thin. So I know ne- I actually didn't get into Marshall's until like probably six or seven years ago. Hmm. So yeah, so him and I met in 2014. And because I owned a screen printing company, I also uh, printed a lot of band merch at the time. So I played the amp, loved it, asked him what his plans were to, you know, produce it, market, sell it, or market it and sell it. He didn't really have plans or the ability. And I had a facility with TNC routers and stuff like that for my Hmm. printing company. So I, you know, I asked him if he wanted a partner. And that was the start of it becoming what it kind of is now was prior to that, prior to that, everything was, you know, hand wired, you know, built one at a time by him. And it took him, you know, probably 24 to 30 man hours to, to do an amp. So. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. When did you realize you made a mistake? Uh, it was a lot of money, man. <laughs> I, uh, I used to have a I used to have a fun joke with people a about money, and now I don't have any left. I was gonna say the the joke was what's the best way to uh, to make a million dollars, and it was to spend two million dollars right. on an amp company. So I mean, we didn't spend that kind of money, but yeah, it was. I mean, it was five six years of like losing a lot of money, and oh yeah, and I mean, yeah, I mean, you know what it's like, and it, it, it's just I mean, it, when it's something that you love, I mean, there's nothing there's nothing I would rather do in life than what I do. Like it is. Yeah, I absolutely love our industry. I love I love gear. I mean, I remember Dave like when I first I, I don't even know if I had first met you, but like one of my first interactions with you hasn't was, been eaten out of you yet. No. <laughs> I had FedEx FedEx completely destroyed my BE100 that I bought. Oh, I got oh, one yeah, and I and I was like out. I got it and I was like you got to be kidding me. I remember playing your amps at the LA Amp Show and just being blown away and I was like I, I finally got one and it gets here and they like they destroyed the head shell. It was the um the plates on it were were cracked and stuff and, and it was a hundred percent a FedEx issue. Like they they dropped it off a truck. And uh I remember emailing you being like, I have this amp and I'm wondering if I can get you to fix it. And you were like, Strange that your email says you're the VP of Rev and, and you have one of my amps. And I was like, I actually have two now because I just bought the Phil X. And I'm like, we do something so different from, from what you guys do. And I, I mean, Sean's known me long enough to know this. I just, I love amplifiers. I don't know shit about circuits compared to you guys or Dan, but I just love great sounding stuff. So, um, yeah, so I, you know, I've kind of collected things all along the way. And that's, you know, when I got the chance to kind of partner up with Dan, I was like, this is probably the best thing I could do with my life. Yeah. That's a good answer. (laughs) <laughs> Good thanks i no. rehearsed it a lot like you know, i was here all afternoon thinking okay, I, I gotta sit right there. Try, to, try to keep the smile on your face to really hide your, 
<laughs> yeah. the music industry. <laughs> I'm actually crying right now. You just can't tell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's so no, funny. I mean. You haven't been I, at it as long as like Sean and I have been doing this. <laughs> no. No. And, and I mean, we've been fortunate. Like we got to the, like, you know, I know a lot of companies that go a lot longer than five years till they, I, till they I start to do well. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I mean, some days. I mean, we wouldn't do this if we didn't love it. I mean, the people who think that any of us get rich in this industry doing this, I'm, uh, I mean, man, there are so many other things that we could do in life that would pay better and, and, you know, that you wouldn't work till, you know, one or two o'clock in the morning working on than, than this. But, you know, it's, it's just, I don't do that. Yeah. It's just the best. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I sometimes don't have a choice. <laughs> I, remember days I used to have to do like rigs for people, and then there was like some sort oh, of yeah. deadline. And if you were really close to the deadline, it was like, well, guess we're going to have to stay up all night doing this. Mm. Yeah. I remember tr- having to go to Home Depot because they would have, I ran out of something stupid, like something that they would have. Yeah, and I had to go there like two in the morning at like a 24 hour Home Depot or something one time when I was oh, finishing wow. the rig. Oh, <laughs> I, I thankfully don't have to do the overnight things anymore, but I do remember probably about the first, it's got to be at least the first four NAM shows that we did that before we left when we're getting ready to pack a truck and trailer, like it's, you know, a month, like literally the month before, my wife would be so mad at me because. It's right around Christmas time, and you're like, "Well, gonna head out to the shop for a bit because if I don't get this done, we won't have a booth, or we won't get it shipped there in time to be able to set it up." And they have all their stupid rules about if you're late, you pay a billion dollars to get your stuff into the damn show. So, yeah. So, thankfully, some of those days are over, but it's you know, there's still lots of you know, it's it's not a nine to five job. Are you guys gonna so. force me to come to the Nam show and see you guys? Yes. Please. <laughs> when is it, Dave? April. When is it? April. April. Yeah, it's uh, around the fifteenth or something, wasn't it? Or something twelve? Yeah, or? thirteen to fifteen. I, I mean, I don't want to hijack the conversation, but I would love to know what you guys think about Nam right now. I, I, I would love oh, to hear that. You're not hijacking the conversation. Okay. Uh, for us, I don't think yeah. it will ever exist again. Yeah. Uh, we've. I mean. Slowly over the years, it really didn't become, it wasn't a trade show anymore. You know, it, yeah. was a, it wasn't trade per se. It was a lot yeah. of end users going to the show because they got their passes and then taking up your time and you playing the amps for them. And that's all fun and cool. Yep. Um, you know, it, and it, there's a social thing that's fun about it. Yep. But, you know, after you've talked to your, Five thousandth person. Yeah. If someone else comes up to you and stops you on your way to get a beer, you're you're, you're gonna rip their head off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I remember a couple times in the last couple shows we did, it was like, I have to leave for a minute. <laughs> it can get overwhelming. I'm yeah. gonna go get a beer and walk away. Yeah. I mean, because what percentage of the time would you say that those four days that you were there, you were actually spending with time with dealers as opposed to the end user? Oh, I don't know. Ten minutes? Yeah. Right. <laughs> the whole show? The whole I, no, show. I mean, occasionally we had a dealer or we did a video or something. 
you know, but that's minimal per day. I mean, I don't know if you per day, an hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I think, I don't know. It's hard to say. But it's you know, a very small percentage. Talking 10 o'clock and stop talking at six o'clock or five o'clock whenever it ended. I can't even remember now. Yeah. Um, and never stop talking. Yeah. We'll never I remember, we all get in the car to go to dinner and the radio would come on. It was just like, how fast yeah. can you get yeah. to the radio to turn it off? Yeah. Just no one talk. Everyone be silent. Yeah. We're all just driving to dinner. Shut up. <laughs> oh man. Like shut up. <laughs> I remember I don't guys anything for a while. <laughs> guys coming with us and like that we would get passes into the show because you know they're they're close friends from home that really wanted to go that are that are players. And they're wanting us to go out after the show to like whatever show. And I'm like, Oh no, no, no. We have an Airbnb and I'm going to stay there and I'm going to eat dinner and then I'm going to have a drink and then I'm going to go to bed because I, it, it, like, be I have no desire to go to a concert tonight. Yeah. yeah. I heard. No, I learned that. 7, I learned over the years, I learned once. That. <laughs> yeah. As I got older, it was, well, well, we had a bar at the booth. So after a yes, while. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. After a while, it was like you do all your drinking and all your talking and all you're hanging out during the day. Yeah. And you have dinner and you go to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. It works out really well. You don't have a hangover generally. You're, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> you're a little liquored out by the end of the show, but <laughs> see, I had the luxury of going to the show as an end user, not really, a, or as a YouTuber, I would, I should say, as yeah. opposed to, so I, you know, I went to the shows afterward and stayed out late and tried. So it was really enjoyable for me. But the if I had to work it, it yeah. would be a whole different story. The big discussion always every evening is where are we going to dinner? Yeah. Yeah. This is the big discussion. Mm-hmm. That is never the discussion for us. <laughs> we're always like, we're going back home. My brother comes. We call him the Nam Mom. And like, by the time we get back to the house, my brother Scotty has made some sort of dinner for, you know, the 10 of us that are staying at the house. And that's what we do. Or we go back and we, you know, grill up some tacos or something and and just have a hang at the house. But yeah. Well that's I, uh, that's cool. Uh, yeah. I like it, going out to the dinners though. I I uh I love it. I, I I still love the show. It feels like summer camp to me still. You know, like that's what it is where I mean especially I'm not in Los Angeles or you know or Nashville. Um so I, I don't get to see people anywhere near as much because I mean Winnipeg is not a you know, a hotspot right. for artists or for people to come. So, yeah. So, and I mean, I always loved when it's in January and I can escape the ridiculous cold up here for, you know, I typically take advantage of being in California for like three weeks then um, between setup and show and then hang out after the show. Um, but I a hundred percent hear you. I mean, the NAM show has almost never been about dealer sales and stuff like that for us because we kind of oh. came into it at the tail end of like, like that was, it was all dying off where even dealers that were coming wouldn't write orders like good dealers of ours, like Toman wouldn't write orders for us off the show floor anymore. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, there's, there's really, to me, the show just became about exactly right. what Mark is talking about. YouTube marketing, yeah. branding, and those it's, uh, it's, end user tourists. It's good. Sometimes. I mean, like when we were doing guitars, are we still doing guitars? When we're when we were doing guitars and you had a million guitars in the wall and the dealers would come, they would yeah. tend to pick the guitars. Yeah. And they would get all cherry picked quick. 
Yeah. You know, if you have 20, 30 guitars on the wall, it's like they're gone. Yeah. Which that's cool. Yeah. 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 It's fun when, I mean, not that we're in this just to sell stuff, but it's fun when you're watching your stuff move and having dealers get excited about things and pick stuff up. That's, that's a ton of fun. Um, but yeah, that's been few and far between at the last few shows, but I would just love it. You know, I would just make it cheaper. I started going to these shows in probably like 1988 and you know, yeah. Prior, before the internet. <laughs> yeah. Remember, kitties, there were no internet back then. Um, and that's when it was really probably. And that's actually was a trade show. And boy, was that the heyday of the trade show. Yeah. Yeah. Sean, did you ever go back to, back to the show back then? What's this? NAM show back in like late 80s. I man, I went to the ones I was, I had to go to uh, because I was working for Mesa. Which was when? Uh, that would have been late 80s, early 90s, yeah. Right, so that's like the heyday of Nam. Mm -hmm. They were crazy. You saw some shit there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a completely <laughs> different ball game than, as far as yeah. I'm concerned than it is now. I mean, it's still, I mean, it's still, it's it's kind of whatever. COVID kind of messed everything up and whatever happened. But, uh, but yeah, back then, I was just talking to a friend of mine because uh, I've got, I got this guitar back that I bought in 1990 and had sold to a friend of mine and uh, just got it back. But I was talking about oh, the Valley Arts. Arts. Yeah. And I was saying, man, when I went to the NAMM show, if you wanted to go see the cats, like the guys, like Steve Lukather, uh, I mean, you name it, they were all hanging out, go to the Valley Arts booth. Mm. They're all hanging out, you know? Uh, uh, so there, and not that that doesn't happen in shows now, but it just seems like that was like, yeah, that was the heyday where you just saw everything. Mm -hmm. you know, it was just way crazier back then. For sure. And guitar, I would say back then also was more popular, probably. Absolutely. Lots yeah. of women. Yeah. Too. yeah uh, yes. Yes, lots. Quite, quite a few. Yeah. Lots of what? What did you say? Women. Oh, mm -hmm. women. Yeah, you don't see that very often. Uh, Not like right. it used to be. No. No. <laughs> no, no. once again it was a different scene yeah it was just so different back then now the question i that i have is you know since rev is going um yeah and, and, and it's still a viable show there's no, no doubt other people are going. what's that not many other people are going well, i guess the question no, is who, el who else is going i mean are any big brand big brands going my mom no, I don't. gibson who my mom's going oh awesome <laughs> yeah <laughs> Gibson's not, uh, no. there. Gibson's not there. Fender's not there. PRS isn't there. Um, last year, the biggest amp companies were uh, Laney, Blackstar, Driftwood, us. Meza Barba was technically there, but there was only I only saw one amp at their booth. Like I don't know if I don't know what was going on. Like it was like a small ten by ten booth with a banner and one amp. Uh, and then there was a couple of amp companies I'd never heard of before. Um, yeah, so it, there there wasn't much like in amplifiers. Obviously, boutiques not there. Um, uh, Orange isn't there. Like I think Box. Red Seven. Red Seven's going to be there this year. Yeah, Red yeah. Seven. Yeah, it looks more like the way Summer Nam often looks right now. Like it looks like you have a lot more of the like newer startup brands or like brands that are a few years into it that are that are coming to the show. It does look like there are more brands um, signed up, like 
I don't know about amps or electronics, but like just more companies, period, are signed up compared to what it was in June, like this past June. So I think there'll be a few more people, but I, you know, I don't know what you can do to convince, you know, like Boutique or Friedman, like you guys, uh, well, I mean, or you know, anybody you know, to come back. Booth, you know what it kind of costs for a booth? Oh, it, yeah. It's size, insane. I think ours was 50 by 50. I, I, you know, it'd be bigger than that. Yours would have been like 50 by, I want to say 50 by a hundred, maybe like we're, we're like that. We're, we're 30 by 50, $60,000 just for this floor. Yes. Something like that. Just for the floor. That doesn't count anything else. Freight in, freight out union, anyone that, because you got to supervise them putting up the wall or plugging in something. Yep. Um, uh, electrical charges. Oh, this year we got nailed that they tried to tell us that we had to pay for our electrical to be dropped from the roof because they hadn't done it before the show. So, like, typically for anybody watching that, you know, wants the skinny on NAM, like, just a single 20-amp circuit is between $350 and $400 to rent for three days or four days. Um, they tried to charge us 1200 bucks this year. Because they had to bring a sky uh, or like a scissor lift in to do it. And I'm like, no, I'm like, that should have been done before we got here. Like, I've done NAM for like eight or nine years now. And this has always been the way that it is. And yeah, but like they cheaped out like so hard in, in June. Like there was no carpet in the aisles. Like it, they they did everything they could to save some money at the past show. But that's why I love this. Like I love summer NAM more than more than winter nam i mean i'm also like if i didn't live where i live i would live in nashville so um yeah but like it's not a union venue right like you can you can load your own stuff in you can build your own booth and it's the cost for the floor is 50 percent of what it is in california but there's also way less people you know definitely way less artists there so but i i always like i'm a i'm a gear nut so like what I love about Summer Nam is that like you'll get all these little boutique pedal manufacturers that you've never heard of that have the coolest shit that they can afford to just get a small table there. So I've gotten so many pedals from people that you never hear of that it's just cool shit because they could never afford to do um, LA or if they did, it's with that like uh, the deli like stomp box exhibit thing where there's like a bunch of pedal boards with like, you know, 20 or 30 different pedal brands. So it's hard to have anything kind of stand out when it's, all on a board together. You want right. some more pedals? Because I got a ton for sale. <laughs> <laughs> I just bought, I don't know, Sean, can I out you? Yeah. I just bought like 40 or 50 pedals from Sean. So I'm good for a minute because I haven't wow. even I haven't even tried any of them yet. But <laughs> like video pedals. What's that? Yeah. Lots of video do, pedals. Yeah. <laughs> well, nice. the idea behind it is if I know I'm not going to use them rather than just selling them and they're gone. I uh, sell them to Derek for considerably less than I could make for them. But the, what's cool is they end up, they end up on camera again. That's the whole idea is Derek will use those in a gear and beer thing. He'll bring them back out and talk about them. Um, Cause otherwise I, I just don't like to do that. I mean, Derek, if I've got pedals that I'm, I know it's like, okay, this is a great pedal, but I know I'm not going to use it. I'll usually wait about a year. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll just ring up Derek. I don't make any substantial money on them at all. 
Um, no, it's part, kind of test. <laughs> it's part of your deal, though, too. You know, it's just like, yeah, I mean, they're they're my know, pedal. So it's the video, and yeah, you, the part of the deal is you get the pedal also, and it's yours to do what you what you will with, yeah. right? Yep. And, but for me, it's like I don't want to make money off of the the pedal. That's not the for me. If it's just sitting here, I sell it to Derek. Like I said, Derek knows really yep. really cheap for like a big lot of pedals, mm -hmm. and then he brings them back out. You know, I'd rather. And then I sell them for way too much money. And then, on and then he later. makes a bunch of money. On them. <laughs> <laughs> and I buy Sean the next time I'm in Nashville. Yeah, it's so used by Sean Tubbs. Yeah, <laughs> I try to. I ask him, like, man, you, you sold me like forty some pedals on the last one, and I'm like, did you want to sign each one uh, for me so that <laughs> I go to list them? I get a little extra scratch on it. Speaking so. of pedals. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. We've got the tilt right here. Oh, yeah. Nice. Great pedal. Thanks, man. Yeah. That means a lot. Thank you. Oh, I haven't so heard it yet. Oh, really? I haven't heard it yet. You know, it's what I really like about it, you know, obviously the independence, but, you know, the, um, I really like the, the shaping here that you've got here for the, uh, the tight. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just a great pedal, guys. If you ever want to check out a different drive and boost, Check out the Rev Tilt. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. Plus, plus it's got his signature on the back. See? <laughs> I can sell it. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, actually, Sean, how did you hook up with Rev? Uh, that was that was through Derek. Uh, what was it, five years now? Yeah, probably at least that. Yeah, because uh, he, had, he had reached out. I'll probably get it wrong because I, I always do. Um, but he had reached out about possibly just demoing some products is really how we met. And uh, and then it just kind of went from there. Um, I, I thought it was a great product. He and I started just kind of working more together. And then, you know, long story short, kind of went from that to coming on board with, you know, R&D and getting sounds and, you know, just being more kind of vested and involved in the company. Well, it's I love it. Yeah, it's been really fun. I mean, I love that. I mean, I um, I like the sounds. You know, I like sitting with someone that like Dan who knows how to do it and and me going, hey, can we get it to do this? Or can we get it more spread out? Or can we bring this this way? And so for me, it's like, I, I love it. Like I'm a kid in a candy store when I can just hang out with a cat that knows what he's doing mm -hmm. and just get sounds and be like, oh, Let's make that. Let's leave that. Let's don't touch that. You know. So it's it's yeah. It's been a lot of fun. I bet. Yeah, cool. Get your dream sounds. You know. Yeah, like we met because we had a mutual friend in. Um, he was a hard rock uh, singer, actually named Trevor, that knew Sean because Sean had played on some of his stuff, yeah. and I had seen some of Sean's videos. And I honestly, I mean, this isn't me just kissing Sean's ass. I don't think there's anybody online that our products or anybody's products for that matter sound better through their hands than Sean. <laughs> and that was the that was the biggest draw to me is like I remember when we were talking about you coming on board uh, at first doing yeah, I mean you helped us with a lot of like the like voice well not so much the voicing but a lot of like the like kind of final like touches on the d20 like we were we were building it and i said like hey we've got this this little pedal platform amp and i'd love your opinion i'd love to know what you think should be different and that's kind of around when we started like down that path and i you know i had hired a, you to do a bunch of videos mm -hmm. um 
and I had said like, man, if you if you ever need a gig, like we need to do more of our own in-house video stuff. And we've got, you know, um, we also have a Sammy, like like you've got with Sammy Bowler, but we've got uh, Sammy Jacobs that works here and has worked with me since, oh man, like 2015. And he's our like in-house metal dude. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we've got stuff that isn't just for metal. And I'm like, Sean, this stuff sounds amazing when you play it. So um, yeah, I that's that's kind of what, you know, sparked it for me that I was like, I want guys that make things like make things sound great and that their videos look and sound great. And, you know, we got talking and that's how, that's kind of how it started. And then I realized how good his ears were too, not just his hands. And I was like, (laughs) shit, you and Dan need to hang out more when Dan's voicing stuff. And yeah. And that's how Sean kind of moved to like R and D side of thing or product development or I don't, I don't know what the hell we're supposed to call what you do here. A little bit of everything. Yeah. Kind of a little (laughs) bit of everything really. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know what you're talking about. That's for sure. Oh, I don't know. I like, I, it's funny when people talk about, I was talking to another guitar player about that. Every, you know, everybody always says, well, the tone's in the hands, you know, it's like, well, you know, this guy could plug into a litter box and it would sound great. And no, you can't. Um, I certainly can't. But what I will say is, you know, when I think of guitar players like uh, David Grissom, you know, Eric Johnson, uh, the late, great Jeff Beck. Um, I mean, you name it, Robin Ford, Larry Carlton, you name your favorite guitar player, Phil X, mm-hmm. uh, Eric Gales. Oh. Any one of these cats, man. They can sound, yeah, I mean, they can sound like them no matter what. They will make it happen. But what you will never feel is the degree of struggle they went through to achieve that tone if it was something that was not happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing for me. It's like, yeah, I can plug into pretty much anything and and I'll sound like me. Um, But you won't know (laughs) the amount. You might be able to see the look in my eyes, but you won't know the amount of struggle. Now, like in a demo video, I don't do the guitar player tricks because I'm demoing a product. But if I just have to plug into something and and let's go, um, then yeah, I've got all kinds of tricks that I employ <laughs> to get my sound. I'll play completely differently right hand. I'll turn picks. I'll do. There's all kinds of tricks. I'll roll tones, and yeah, it'll sound like me. Was I happy? Probably not. Mm-hmm. So therein lies like it's the degrees of struggle to arrive at that sound, you know, if that makes any sense, maybe it doesn't, but. No, it makes sense. Totally. It makes sense. But I, I, I have to tell you that the gear does not make the sound though. Totally. No, no. Characteristics within if the you gear. put someone that has what I kind of call awful sounding hands or concrete hands as sometimes I've referred them to, <laughs> and they put, you plug into an amp, you know, is sounding great. And they plug in and you're just like, did it break? <laughs> Did it break? Why does it sound like there's no gain when it's on the lead channel? <laughs> right. Well, unless yeah. I think people have completely different no gain hands. hands. I've seen that a bunch of times where like, how? Phil Axel turned the gain way the hell down and still sound like he has enough gain. And yeah. like, and, 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 and same with you, uh, you, you know, but other guys are, it's on hyperdrive and it still like sounds like the notes dying off as they're trying to play. 
I can never quite understand it. Yeah, I think it's just uh, different guitar players rea react differently. I think for myself, I I will always kind of play into it. So I'll, I will, you know, I'll adjust my right hand attack mm -hmm. without reaching for gain. Right. But I, I do. There's a lot of guitar players that I, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing, but I have noticed there's guitar players that you know you can from one guitar player to the next they 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 play the way they play and they're not going to adjust into it and i think that's i think that's kind of part of it yeah um, i think that's a big part of it it's like guitar all guitar players are different you know everybody's got like a different touch um the gear will not save you but the characteristic of the gear and how it feels and sounds under your hands is what's going to inspire you Correct. So for me, that's that's what I always point people towards. It's like this gear isn't here to fix anything, but it is here to inspire you. If it's the right piece of gear, it'll inspire you. And even for me, I mean, Pete Thorne, if there's something I haven't heard, I still go to Pete Thorne if he's <laughs> done with it and check him out. But then I jump through. I try to find as many guys that have played the same product so I can hear all the different hands. Because I, I've got a really good idea with Pete. It's like, okay, I think that's the characteristic. Now let me hear a bunch of other cats. And then I'll know pretty much, okay, I, the character is what I'm interested in. And I go from there, you know. But, yeah, it's what inspires me. I, you know, nothing, yep. nothing will save me. I figured that out the hard way. But there is gear that inspires me for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, there's nothing like a good pedal that will inspire you, right? Mm, or amp yeah. or guitar that yeah, feels yeah, great. Exactly. I mean, that's I mean, that's what we all signed up for, man. Is to be smiling while we're playing. You know, that's right. you know. So if and it's be like, oh, oh well, shit, that sounds yeah. great. Yeah. Speaker want to want to keep playing, right? Yeah. Like yeah. to want to keep. That's that's always the benchmark for me of whether or not I think something's a good piece of gear. I don't really care that much about what it costs, or honestly, like. Sean and I are a little bit like this, that like what the perceived build quality of something is, you know what I mean? Like if it, just because it looks like a piece of shit doesn't mean it is. And if when I'm playing, you know, if I, you know, I find that I'm wanting to keep playing whatever it is and I forget about, you know, my phone or whatever other things that are a normal distraction for me, um, you know, that, that's the, that's the thing that I'm always chasing. I mean, that, that's what drew me to, to your amps, Dave. Like, the first time I played the BE-100, I wasn't a big, like, British sound or, like, Marshall sound guy at all. And I was like, these amps are unbelievable because they feel so unbelievably good. And I had always, I'd always had a, like, pretty, not even a love-hate, like, pretty much a hate-hate um, relationship with Marshalls and, and any sort of British voice amps because I always felt that they were too stiff. And, uh, like, I couldn't believe how much sag... Well, in, yeah, I don't think you'd say that if you grew up on like plexi style amps and stuff, because I don't think those are stiff. Well, uh, you know, it's cranked up. They have yeah. this gushy feel to them. Yes. And, and that's what I was always trying to emulate. Right. Yeah. I, I, and I, I, you know, I remember playing like uh, 800s and probably what like one of my first amps was a, a 70s 212 Marshall combo that would have had would have had to have been a JMP yeah, I don't remember I was like yeah. yeah I was like 14 and it's man I hate yeah like I hated it because it, it didn't like I had the game dimed and uh, like it just it felt stiff I mean part of that was that I was a shit player when I was 14 
Um, so, you know, as you get better, you'd start to learn how to play stuff. And, and like you were just saying about like Phil X, that he's like rolling the gain off, you know, and I find that the older I get, um, and the, the better my hands get, the more that I'm doing that too. You know what I mean? The more that, yeah, the game keeps pulling back because I want things to be like crisper and tighter as I'm playing. But yeah, it, it, I I remember it was a BE100 and then I got to play uh, 74 JMP 100 watt. And that that was the amp that as soon as I played it, that I was like, this isn't a Marshall. Like this isn't what I've been, you know, what I've been exposed to for the last 20 years. And then that set me off on like, I got an 82 JCM 850 watt. That is, it has some sort of mod. I don't know what it is, but um, same thing. Really like saturates really well, you know, doesn't feel stiff. It feels unbelievable. And, you know, and now I've got a bunch of marshals because I kept chasing one. that same thing. You got one next to you, right? That we were talking about. Yeah. I, I just got this actually, you guys know Justin Bryant, right? From two yeah. notes. Yeah. I just got this from Justin that it says 72, 50 watt. He told me it's plexi circuit. I don't know anything else about it. He just said he was selling it, and I said how much, and he told me, and I was like, yeah, send it over, sure. like, and and I'll check it out. But it's been, uh, he says it's been unmodded, so I don't know if it's been recapped or anything yet. I haven't been inside it, um, nor would I really know what I'm looking Probably. for. Um, lead, leads back maybe. Yeah, but it's yeah, it sounds it sounds great. Looks badass too. It's in good shape. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, you got quite the wall behind you. I, I'm, Thanks. I yeah. amp, amp envy. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful background. So what do we yeah, got? Yeah, I mean, there? we I, yeah, I've got we've got lots of stuff. I mean, some of the stuff that we get, like full disclosure, we'll get guys that will email in and say like, "Hey, I want to buy a generator. I just got to sell my Revision G triple rectifier," and I'm like. Well, I like those. So, how much do you want for it? And maybe we can take it off what you're what you're paying for your amp. This and is not how man, you make money, by the way. No, I know. No, I am not a. Uh, I am not a good picture of how you make money in this. There's a flaw in this thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I do have fun toys. Yeah. So, I mean, we've gotten I've gotten a bunch of stuff that way. Um, that, but yeah, it's. Uh, yeah. There's, there's he's got, he's got that Wagner ecstasy back there, right? Yeah, man. Sweet. Yeah, I. There was this big auction that happened up in Canada. I came back from Nam and I got COVID at Nam for the first time. Oh. So when I get got home, I had to like quarantine, or like yeah, hang out. And there was this uh, auction for I don't know if it was a the guy was a player or if he was like a doctor or a lawyer or something, but he had like. Man, there was 1,200 different listings. It, what did he have, like 10 or 12 Tylers in this auction? Like 100 like Artist Series PRSs or wow. some insane. insane amount. And there was almost nothing vintage, but he had a boatload of amps. And there was, uh, there was three that I wanted. Uh, one was uh, this Marshall AFD 100, like the Slash Amp. Oh, I've wanted that I, amp. I had one of those in like, I bought it when it came out. I loved it. I bought it cheap. I bought it on eBay for like twelve or fourteen hundred bucks. Wow, that's and, good price. Um, and I ended up selling it because, uh, like, for everybody, hey, about what amps I had early on with Rev, and I was listing them off. He's like, "Oh, you have one of those AFD one hundreds? He's like, "Man, those are worth a lot of money." And I'm like, "What?" And he's like, "Yeah, they're they're like three, four thousand bucks on uh, eBay." And I was like, "All right." So I shipped it off 
I sold it on eBay like two days later and bought my kids a play structure for our backyard. And like right afterwards, I'm like, I'm glad my kids have a play structure, but why did I sell that? That amp was awesome. Um, so yeah. So, what's that? You got a fluffy friend. Yeah. Yeah. She will just howl <laughs> if I don't let her in. So. <laughs> yeah, so I got that AFD. I got the Saldano, uh, the SLO 100, and I got the Bogner um, XSC, like the 101B. I got all of them in this auction, and I got them cheap. Like the, it was it was in Canada, so it was in Canadian dollars. But if I converted to US dollars, like the AFD would have been like maybe two thousand bucks, probably a little bit less than that. The SLO was like eighteen hundred bucks. What? That was um, like. Wow. Yep, and the ecstasy was even cheaper in what U.S. dollars. It would have been like seventeen hundred bucks. So, like, what year, what year is the SLO? I actually don't know. Wow. Um, I think early two thousands, maybe. Okay, so it's, like it's not it's not really old, but yeah. yeah, but it's it's a uh, yeah. They they were cool amps, and it was not expensive for for what they go for. Oh, so, now nowadays, you know, old Soldanos before. They're, they're, people are asking crazy prices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if it was really something special, then maybe fifteen grand. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> if it was ninety snakeskin or owned by Dan uh, by Dan Huff. Yeah, that would do it. Was that who yeah. it was owned by then? What's that? Mike Lando. Mike Lando. Oh, I was thinking Dan no. Huff. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Same, yeah, same vein though. But the funny thing is, the guy that bought that from me. I think wound up selling it and then buying even slightly older one that used to belong to Aldo Nova. Wow. Wow. Like wow. only a few numbers before, like mine was number 13 and he got number seven or something. I was going to say, yeah, Jeez. cause Aldo Nova was really early on that list when Mike showed yeah. that list of people. Five, six, seven, somewhere in there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I go, you know, it's the same amp, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the serial number is different, was Dave. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. The number is different. <laughs> it was yeah. owned by a different guy. So, yeah. That's, it's that's like, cool. okay, you paid me. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to get Eddie Van Halen's SLO. Jeez. It's two. Good yeah. luck. No, mm, never. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if he still has them, though. Or if they were yeah, out there. there. Wolf has them. Yeah, they're still there. Everything's still there. They didn't sell anything ever. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Ever. And um, they, I don't think they ever plan on selling anything. So, they, wow. as long yeah. as they don't have to. Unless yeah. they're going to sell something for charity or something. Right. Yeah. Right. So, also, I, I forgot to mention Derek and Sean have their own show on the Red Channel called Beer, Gear and Beer. And uh, yep. so you guys should definitely check out their show. I've checked it out. It's great. I didn't even know about it. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> when did it start? When did you guys start? Never seen it wow. advertised in front of yeah, me. Look, at that. look how pro professional you guys are. You're making making our show look like shit. What's going on? <laughs> we have a team of people that know how to do media here. <laughs> it's, it's that all neither Sean or I are Sean and I are neither of them. I know. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm using my FaceTime camera on my Mac, so there's that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, we started doing it like it it started actually as like in-person events and we actually just did another one uh this past uh week in Nashville. Um where that's what we used to call like trying to get people to come out and check stuff out um was gear and beer like come out and we'd uh, get a venue and you know have a bunch of beer and a bunch of hot chicken or something and 
yeah, and sit down and mess around for a while. That should be yeah. the new the new amp show. Yes, and, yeah. the, and that's what yes. it's called. And, <laughs> and could it not together and throw it? I was gonna say, could it not be in the hotel in in wherever <laughs> in the, the hell ho- that was? And no, you mean in the oh hotel. no, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be here. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah. The airport hotel in Van Nuys or whatever, whatever it was. <laughs> that was the LAM show. You guys wanted me yeah, to tell funny. Those years were great. Yeah. Do you guys want me to tell a funny story about uh, the first time I went to that show sure. and how I made a bit of an ass of myself to a few people? So we were in the bar afterwards, and and it was the first, like we had done one NAM show, I think, and then Dan and I went to do the LAM show, and I remember being in the bar and. Uh, like there's a bunch of there's a bunch of people that I saw at the show, but I didn't know anybody. I remember Dan talking to me about Randall Smith one time, and I was like, "Is that the guy who started Randall?" And he's like, "You play Mesa Boogie stuff, and you don't know who Randall Smith is." I'm like, "Yeah, no, I'm, I know the Rectifier and I know the Mark series and the Electrodyne and the stuff that I like." I'm like, "I've never never really cared that much about the the, the people behind it, right?" <laughs> um, <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, funny that we try to do our own show now. Um, but uh, I remember being in the bar and there was this dude in the bar that was wearing a cape and had three man buns. And I was like, who the hell is this guy? And Dan just Ronald starts Wagner? laughing at me. And he's I, like, that's Ronald Bogner. And yeah, I was like, I was what? Say, that's Bogner, right. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as you described it, I was like, that's Bogner. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, oh. And I had, a, I had an Uber shawl at the time and I was like, I had no idea. I had no idea. He's and Dan looked at me. He's like, "I'm the most normal amp designer you're ever going to meet." And I'm like, "Oh boy." Was I exhibiting at that one? I you were. Um, I don't know if you were. That's when uh, that, I think that was the first time that I uh, played the BE. Um, I knew Phil Lex a little bit. Actually, the same guy that I met Sean through is who I met Phil through. Um, I must have been in the bar when you were experiencing that. Oh, probably. Yeah, it was. You were drinking it was hilarious. In the corner somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was. You know, I, was the, you know, I got to say, the heyday of that amp show was awesome because you know it was all in the rooms and it was all like your yep. own little private thing. You can make his, you can play as loud as you fucking want. Yep. No one cared, and they had a great bar. You know, and my it, favorite. It was open all day early on it, until the yep. later years, and then it opened at like five or six, and it's like, but wait, we can't get a drink during the day. Yeah, that's that's not cool. What I what I loved about that show is, I mean, again, we're we're pretty insulated up here in Winnipeg from the entire industry, right? Like, there's not a lot of gear manufacturers anywhere close to us. Um, so I remember George Metropolis coming into our room to check stuff out, and he came in with beers and handed them to Dan and I right away, and said, "Hey, I'm George. You should come over and try our stuff." And yeah, he sat and listened to our stuff. He's like, "That's great." It's like, it sounds great. And then we went over and checked out his stuff, which is also great. Um, but yeah, I, I just love the fact that there, I've never really experienced a lot of like, um, like shitty competition within our industry. I know that some of it exists, but I, like Dave, you and I have never, we've never had that. Like, you know, anytime I've ever seen you or met you, like I've, I've always loved what you do and we don't do anything s- similar to what you guys do. And yeah. And it's, it's, I, I yeah. mean, like, how I look at it is we all make our own product. Yeah. And we voice our product. However, we voiced our product. The consumer is going to decide if they want to buy either one or both. They're going to buy both. 
the majority of them. And, like, and you know, they're going to figure out what they like. And yeah. There's nothing you can do that's going to sway them either way. No. You know, it, it's not. Well, I mean, the, yeah, you can have good marketing and stuff, and you can put it in front of say, this, but. There's one thing that you can do, which is that you can present your brand in a way that it becomes attractive to people. And the normally the way that that works is if you just aren't a piece of shit. Like if you're just, if you're just good people and you love what you do, that becomes infectious to people. And then they decide, okay, is the voice of whatever you do, is that for me? And then they end up gravitating towards that. Um, but you don't see that a lot in other industries, right? Like, you know, there's more camaraderie in our industry among brands that a lot of people would consider to be competitors than in, than I've seen in any other industry that I've worked in. So yeah, well, it's, it's just, it's just yeah. like, you know, it's just like any, it, it, you know, you, I, I'm friends with all those people. I mean, like yeah. I go way back with Mike Soldano and way back with Stevie Fryette and way back with Bruce Eggnator from, and Bogner even from the beginning. Yeah. I don't really talk to Bogner anymore, but <clears throat> that's a whole different story. But, um, but we're all like, we all know each other. We're all like friendly with yeah. each other. We're all, you know, it's fine. You know, everything. Yeah. No one. I was going to say, for the weird. most part, the only one that got weird about anything was Bogner. <laughs> yeah, he was a weird. weird dude, though, man. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. you know, I don't know. Yeah, he's he's. he's He's a character. Let's just well, say that. Like I said, you know, when you, yeah, I'll never forget the Nam show when, when he went in a in a see through outfit. <laughs> well, the time I yeah, saw it him. was a transparent plastic jumpsuit. It's kind of like frosted, shall we say? But Did pretty transparent. That? I think I saw that. And he wasn't wearing anything under it. Well, no, because it would get hot. I right? remember walking up to his booth <laughs> with someone. I don't remember who I was with. And we walked up to his booth. And I look, kind of look at him, seeing the face first. And then I just kind of look up and down. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> he did oh. get removed. Oh, did yeah. He really? Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, he's very hairy. That's all I have to say. <laughs> That's why he you got know, removed. Man, you saw way too much. You did not want to see this. This I, there was nothing covered up. Oh man, this <laughs> was at Nam or at the hotel. This was at Nam exhibiting. Oh, wow. it, it, oh, that's it was crazy. It's an all-time highlight. Wow, <laughs> he's he lives in a different world though than the rest of us. Absolutely. I think like. Has Dennis ever told you his story? And maybe I shouldn't tell any part of it, but has he ever told you the story about them bringing, uh, when he was still at uh, Music Productive, bringing Reinhold over to um, Music oh, Festa? Yeah, and he disappeared and they couldn't find him. Germany, no, but I, I, yes, Dennis didn't, but Avi's told me that story. Oh, yeah. Avi's <laughs> like, he like came to the show one day and... Then he, we didn't see him, and we didn't know what happened to him. I don't think and he made it. Well, which, the town Dennis, looking yeah. for him. Dennis Going told to me he didn't make it to the show. Dennis told me he was there during setup. Yeah. <laughs> Once the show started, he he had stayed at a bar drinking the night before, and just that was it. He was gone, and then night, after and the show was over, and yeah. there was a day bender. Several a few days. years before that was within the past few years, right before COVID, right? Yeah, probably even before that, but like, oh, okay. yeah, but still, like, 
Dennis was like, we flew him over here to, to do the show and paid for everything. And he didn't show up for any of it. Just, just went on a bender. Yeah. Wow. I mean, they were Bruce looking there. at drug flop houses and all sorts of things. Yeah. It was like crazy from what I understand. Yeah. It was a fun story if you guys ever meet Dennis. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, like we like we were saying about the amps, it, it's like, you know, the customer will decide. It's just like, yep. you know, just like you, Sean, do some videos. Hey, I think I want this amp. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, the my my DS40, I bought that long time sight and ears unheard or seen because I knew it would be great. And I, I still love it. And then, yeah, when I demoed the uh, BE100 Deluxe, I was like, okay, that needs to stay here. How do we figure this out? <laughs> we worked it out. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been great, man. It's been great. He has he has held that over me repeatedly that he has the Deluxe and that I don't since he got it. He's like, you need, he's like, you need to get this. The Plexi channel on it's amazing. You know, you know what and I, then, think? I think I know what you need to get. Oh, yeah? You need to get the SS100. Oh yeah, yeah, the new Steve Stevens, the newest one, the V two. Yeah, yeah, that one's All pretty right. fucking badass. So our um, our graphic designer and videographer who did the nice logo that you <laughs> that you put up for us, Mark, um, his name's Dorian. Dorian's got a he's got a, a BE one hundred, and uh, he's the one I bought the Phil X from. Mm. Um, and he is like constantly like, man, he's like that new Steve Stevens. Friedman, he's like, fuck, how do I fucking get that? And I'm like, you buy one from somebody. <laughs> like, that's how this works. <laughs> but yeah, it's, yeah. So, but as, as soon as it came out, like, as soon as I got into the office, Dorian's like in my office, she's like, like you or wait, I got another one. Or yeah. the rarest rare now, the Jakey Lee signature amp that we only did 200 of. Yeah. Wow. Um, you know, obviously, you know Steve Gray. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. Steve talks to me about his all the time, mm. and I'm like, "Son of a bitch!" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our, our I don't Mike have. Torn has one too. I have. I don't have anything that's like super rare. Like I don't. Well, I don't think I have a few. A few vintage amps, but not. Not. Not mostly Fenders, not Marshalls, mm. but nothing like crazy rare. So, yeah. And, I think uh, I'm going to jump into some questions from people. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I'm going to jump into this. That might be a good idea. What's that, Dave? That might be a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> we got Corey Johnson uh, who sent in a question here. Uh, hey, guys, love the channel. Thank you so much. How much difference is there between a Marshall Studio Plexi SV20 and a 100-watt Super Lead if attenuated to the same apparent volume? Thanks and keep up the good work. Well, I got to tell you, that SV20 is a pretty cool amp. And there's a couple little tweaks that can be done to it that I've done to them that just slightly tweak the stock circuit just a little bit. Because if anything, they tend to be just a little harsh, just like a smidge. So there's a way to roll that off a little bit and, and also a couple other components uh, change them to be a little more. They had a couple odd choices some values that weren't like kind of standard super lead and you can make it standard super lead mm. um although stock they're really good it's not uh, yeah it's a little squishier this the sv20 oh yeah but 
in kind of a cool way, actually. Almost, you know, kind of more fun. Hmm. So there you go. Okay. It's really good, actually. I tell you. In terms of tone, I mean, are they similar with the 100 watt and the, the Studio Plexi? If they're attenuated to the same rough uh, volume, very, 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 very similar. Mm -hmm. So maybe a little squishier on the on the SV20. Okay. Not scads, just like just a little touch, but it, it's kind of gooier almost. It's almost kind of nice if you can understand what gooey means. <laughs> I, I understand it. You know, feel like when you really dig into it hard. Right. It's got some sag. Yeah, sag, but not like farty sag, you know, like like good like compression. Right. Mm -hmm. Jay Busk, thank you so much for the super chat. Glad you're back, Mark. Thank you. I am glad I'm back also. Um, question for Dave. I know a lot of guys use the Furman PQ3 and PCM41s. Uh, GL, who's that? I, I can't. George Lynch. Rat. George Lynch, rat, with Marshalls back in the 80s. I have a PQ3, but not a PCM. Are there any good alternatives? Well, those guys used to use those. I mean, the PCMs and stuff in those days were they were just putting them in front of the amp, or or they would split, and one one amp would get a slightly delayed. They were almost using it as a doubling effect. So so one amp would be, I don't know, like ten milliseconds or something or twenty milliseconds, just a slight doubling effect, and uh, and the PQ three, you know, it acts as a boost really. You know, can be cool, can be noisy. Mm. I have one sitting. Avocado cookie. Uh, thank you. Hey, Derek, any plans for a Rev Synergy module? Uh, I think so. Um, we've talked with Avi a lot about it. I, uh, I know it, it just comes down to when we have um, time for design and uh um yeah i think that's it, that's pretty much the hold up is that we've got other stuff that we've been working on and we just it's a little time for it what's that yep. it's a little extra oh, mailbox money i love the i love the concept of it like i i liked the old randall or randall version of it like mm -hmm. i uh i think it's a great idea and as as somebody who just loves gear and loves different like preamps and different voicings i just I, yeah, I remember the first time I saw it was with um, you know that uh, Antonin dude from Salvation Audio over in yeah. Uh, yeah. in Prague. He was yeah. doing a bunch. Yeah, he was doing a bunch of um, his own versions of them um, way back then. It was before Synergy was out, I think, or maybe when Synergy was just coming out. And that was the first time I I saw it, and I was like, this is this is awesome. And they they yeah, the ones that he had sounded great. And then I got to try it at. Uh, guitar summit in germany one year with dennis and yeah I, I think it's awesome but yeah so long story short yes sometime hopefully sooner rather than later yeah that's a great idea um yeah ben, i'm not our design guy so i never you know it's when it's when yeah it's when dan has time and and when boutique has time for it that you know we get to it so right yeah, yeah. sounds good hey thanks ben i really appreciate it ben's our moderator thank you so much ben um, let's see, uh, have a beer, Mark. I, I did. I drank the whole thing actually. 
So nice. that's my only beer for the night. I'm have to run to the fridge here in a minute. I know I'm just about going to have to run down too. Maybe <laughs> the bathroom in the fridge because I'm old. <laughs> By the way, while we were when we took a break last week, um, Dave went on Jason Tong's show for Head First, and they had a cool show called Tech Talk. So if you guys want to check that out, um, go to I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it's a continuing thing. It's just every once in a while he does a live feed. You know. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. It, it was fun though because it was it was interesting because we got two designers kind of, you know, fielding it at the same time. It was fun. Yep. Uh, Plexico, uh, thank you so much. Uh, hi all. In terms of marketing artists, how important is social media compared to labels, NAM advertising, and non digital word of mouth? Well. Uh, I think social media is super Being important. honest, I think now almost social media takes over everything. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, an artist. I, I always kind of look at it this way. I'm like, so what are you going to do for me? <laughs> you know, like, okay, you're using my app now. Okay, cool. Are, are you going to post on your own social media about you using the app or are you not? Or is it, you know, people only going to see it on stage? Or are they even going to see it on stage? Maybe not. It's it's a, almost a different world now. It's almost yeah. like, um, I think your, your, you know, YouTubers maybe are your, your, your marketing now more so. And, and, and I think, you know, it's interesting, interesting community. So, you know, you do a bunch of YouTube videos for a product you come out with however many that is, six, seven videos. And that starts it, but then people wind up getting the product and they do their own little videos. Some of them good, some of them bad, but they still do the videos. And if it's a popular product, it just it just clogs, clogs YouTube with all sorts of videos. You could watch from, I mean, my God, try to look up how many BEOD videos there are. <laughs> Mm -hmm. holy crap <laughs> and then we have companies that are they do the marketing blitz where they'll have seven eight nine different youtubers coming all out the video, all at the same day you know and and then you know how i feel about that i think it would be, be better if it was staggered personally like throughout the week i, I think i'm kind of more into the staggering of it but not too long, like maybe over the course of a few days or a week. But when okay, it's I'm, all I'm gonna go get I'm gonna go get another beer, and you guys can make fun of me while I do that. <laughs> uh, I uh, I I mean, it worked really well for us with the G3 pedal when yeah. we did like we staggered videos, but we ended up having the challenge that we had back then was that we had it timed that, you know, there's going to be three videos on the first day. Then two days later, there's going to be another two. And then three or four days later, there's going to be a few more. And what ended up happening was, is as soon as some of the YouTube guys saw, you know, Fluff and Ola post their videos, they all just launched theirs within a day because back then they were all just concerned about um, overall like view velocity and clicks. Yeah. And I was like, man, that's like, that is not what we want at all. Cause we're going to burn people out on this real fast. Um, and I think yeah, I can't decide. I can't decide if that's I, is it good I, or bad. I don't know. 
I will say that we have always sold more of a product whenever we've done a, a pretty significant campaign, right? Where we do, um, you know, a lot of videos, a lot like the biggest channels that the product suits. Um, right. We work with them uh, early on, not all on the same day. Um, yeah, it's it it's tough because I think also that like we got you know you were you were like this with the BEOD I think too that we were into that game before everybody else was mm-hmm. and now everybody like the like YouTubers back then were launching you know maybe a pedal video every week or every couple of weeks now you're guaranteed that there's something new every few days there's some sort of new video coming out from somebody so I think that it's just you know people are getting a little bit of like option paralysis with stuff when it comes out because they know okay the new Saldano pedal is out but also Ola's chug pedal is out at the same time like within a day or two of it and then you know Glenn Fricker's pedal from us comes out you know a couple weeks later and yeah and you just you just have it snowballing snowballing and you know consumers only have so much uh, bandwidth for that and only so much dispensable income so I'm with you Dave I actually don't know I prefer the staggered thing. I don't know what works better. Yeah. Some guys I talk to, like, almost like it. Some people, some YouTubers feel that if all the videos are released at once, they actually get less views. Yep. And then, whereas, let's say, two videos come out on the first day and a week later, another two videos come out and a week later, another two videos come out. If seven videos are released on one day, you're going to go, Oh, I want to see Sean's video. Click. Yep. And you're going to watch his video. Oh, that sounds cool. Okay, great. And that's it. Yep. <laughs> or maybe one other. One. Or maybe one other, you know, you go and like, yeah. Now, if say Pete launches his video the first day, and then Sean launches his video a week later. I think more people will click on both. Oh, I, let me see man. a week later, you got a break from it. You know, I don't know. I, I think Sean made a point about this that I think is really true of what a lot of players think. Um, and like what, you know, uh, like what consumers think. And that is that. I have the I have a you know a set number of guys and that I want to go see what they do with the product as soon as it comes out. So as soon as I hear a product's out, I want to hear Pete's video, I want to hear Sean's, I want to hear if Rob Baker's done anything. Like there's a there's a you know set number of people that I always want to see what they do with something. So I always like if it comes out right away because that also builds a hype. And I feel like the people who are most likely to purchase the product are going to want to see all of the options as fast as they can and hear it through other people's hands. But you also run the risk of people. And I mean, this is, this is a thing that comes up all the time that we hear about, which is that people think that we've paid YouTubers um, to do a demo and for whatever positive review that they're going to give you. And the reality is I don't know a YouTuber that you can buy their opinion, but absolutely you have to pay for the vast majority of videos, unless you are fortunate enough to have been friends with people long enough that they're just doing favors for you. It's but, not a review. What's that? No, it's, it's a demo. Not a, it's not a review. Yeah. I don't review anything. The YouTuber I, I, yeah, is yeah. the employee of the company and his job is to make the product sound as good as it can. Yep. If he happens to hate the product, most YouTubers will go, 
yeah, no, I'm, I'm just not feeling this, and I'm going to return this, and I can't really do this. This isn't yep. going to work for me. So Sean, I know he's done it. You know, I know, I know. There's people that you know where it just doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, I've I've done that. I I mean, I you will not see a demo on my channel of something that I don't enjoy playing. Um, I always, once I have the product, I'll play through it and. If it's not right, then I will very politely say this isn't a fit and and, mm -hmm. and send it back. And uh, and that's the thing. Me, I you know, when people say great review, it's like I don't review things because mm -hmm. I, I don't yeah. I'm not one of those guys that's going to open up the box and talk about all the components in it. Or, you know, okay. for me, it's like, no, I'm just going to demo it. Here's how it sounds. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to fluff it to make it sound better. Because if I have to do that, I'm going to send it back. So for me, it's I just play through the pedal. Here's how it sounds. Here's my perception on how I think you should dial it. You know, it's like, yeah, sometimes it sounds better over here. But, yeah, I don't I don't really. Yeah, like, here's the sweet spot I like right here. Yeah, because I'll say as a guitar player, it's like, well, here's where I landed with the treble. But here's the whole sweep. You know, but the one thing I don't do is if I feel like I got to do something with the product, like there's nothing in my demos, there's no EQ, there's no compression, except on the drums and on the bass, because I'm a horrible bass player, but the nothing on the guitar tracks, I'll add, you know, delay pretty much only. And that's because it's like, well, this is what, you know, all those sounds that people love have these things on them when it's in this context yeah so i'll do that in the performance track but then i back it way off in the demo and just let people hear like this is how it it sounds but yeah i i don't review things i'm not a review guy and what do you what's your opinion on uh staggered versus all on one day um from a as a as a guy that does youtube videos um i think staggered's better for me as a musician, I love quarterback blitz because it's like, okay, cool. It's all right there. Pete, you know, whoever it ends up being, uh, all the cats that I dig, I can like bang through all those videos and it's like, oh, okay. I got the whole perspective. So that's never bothered me. I know it does upset some people when they just see like a blitz of one product, but it's never bothered me. I was just like, okay, cool. I'm going to go through all of these. If it's something I'm interested in. And if it's not, then, then I don't. But yeah, we, as a trying. YouTuber, I like to stagger. For yeah, sure. we're trying to stagger them. Yeah. Because otherwise, you're a YouTuber trying to cut through what I call the noise. Yeah. So if there's 10 of us demoing the same product, it's, it is difficult to, to cut through all of that noise as a YouTuber. But, you know, for me, I... I don't, you know, I'm not one of those guys that's going to say, well, I'm only going to do my video at this time because I want this and this and this. I leave that up to whoever I'm demoing for. If they want me to be part of that opening day, cool. If they don't, I'll say, well, I'll release it before, after, whatever you would like, you know. So I kind of leave it up to, you know, whoever's designed the product that's, you know, sent it to me for demo. So, if any of that makes sense, is none no, of that. Makes sense. Derek's got a look on his face like, no. What are we? What are we drinking, <laughs> guys? Uh, uh, 
I was doing I'm drinking mingling. beer that I picked up in Nashville. I don't know if you can see it. It's I, I'm a sissy. Oh, yeah. I drink like a Rattlers and beer that's got juice in it. So I have like a peach blonde <laughs> ale from, from Nashville. Blonde ale. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That I also have I have PBR for later if that makes you feel better. <laughs> no, it doesn't make me no. feel better. It gives me a headache thinking about yeah. it. PBR chaser. Yeah. Oh, you've done better though, haven't you, Sean? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, New Heights. That's a local uh, brewery. Killer stuff. Uh, this is an Imperial Stout. I'm a big oh. like Imperial Stout fan. Uh, where I started actually was uh, Snake Bite. So there's this joint I go to called uh, Taps Off Main, and they're mm -hmm. just crazy, crazy beer hall, tons of taps. But they got me hip to doing snake bites where you will take like a, an imperial or a porter, or it could even just be a straight stout, but then you mix it with some sort of cider. Hmm. So oh, it's cool. kind of like a black and tan or something along those lines, but you're mixing it with cider. So um, this is Diskin Resolution. It's a really great cider. Um, so I, I did kind of half and half. Now I'm just doing the uh, the new heights, and it's just yeah, this stuff is killing. It's really mm. really good. So we're going for a classic Bitburger German. Oh, nice, yeah, nice German Bitburger. It's kind mm. of a lighter, crisper yep. thing. And then we're going for the Belgian or not Belgian style uh, Allagash Curio. Oh, nice. Oh, look at you. It normally comes in a big bottle, but today mm. I saw that they had little bottles. Nice, man. Which is good because it's, well, so they're expensive. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, the, this... big, the big bottle is like a $20 bottle, you know. Yeah. But yeah. but it is also 9% liquor. <laughs> yeah. That's Yingling me. long necks. Nothing yeah. wrong Yingling, man. Yingling. Mr. Tom Bukovac. Yeah, when he can't get Rolling Rock, yeah. then it's Yingling. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is, is it Yingling if he can't get Rolling Rock? Yeah. Yeah, he's a rolling rock guy. It's so funny, man. When I lived in Arizona, um, off and on throughout my life, uh, especially towards the end there, it, everybody drank rolling rock. That was what you drank in Arizona. So when I saw Tom drinking rolling rock, I was like, what? And then he was loving that. And apparently with distribution or whatever out here in Tennessee, it was just harder to get. So he jumped ship to uh, Yingling, which is similar, but it's really not like – Rolling Rock, you know, it's a refreshing, light kind of. It's a good beer, you know. I I I was over it, you know, because I drank so much of it. He's, but... he's going about saying that it's a lousy beer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say he's being so polite right now. He's being very polite. Yeah, yeah. But Ying Yingling is a little bit sweeter. It's got a little bit more of a sweet. Yeah, Ling. Yeah, well, that's a lager. I mean, that's yeah, it's a little bit different. I the last time I drank that, I was in. Um, where was it? In Indiana. Uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. No, no, not Fort Wayne. I wasn't <laughs> in Sweetwater. I was seeing yeah. Alice in Chains and doing a Sweetwater video nice. with Jerry Cantrell uh, in, um, oh, hell, I don't remember where it was now. But uh, in Indiana, and I know Sammy Bowler was with us, and we were wandering around the town from bar to bar, and boy, we went into a couple bars that we wanted to leave quick, but... Yingling <laughs> was. We went to this one bar. It was just like a rundown, horrible, horrible place. Everything was served in plastic cups, and the bartender was so drunk he could barely pour the liquor. Oh my god! And it was like, you know, take the Yingling, I guess. <laughs> 
Uh, (laughs) Like, hey, you want to go to the next bar down the street? Because let's get out of here. Touchdown Jesus. I love that. Interesting name. Yeah. Thank you so much, so much for the super chat, Sean. I was surprised that you use such a beast of an amp like the Rev One Twenty. Can you speak to what it is that you like about it, and do you find it to be a little bit more polished and feeling gain compared to vintage amps? Yeah, well, it's it's uh, it's interesting because I, you know, I was always known for playing. You can't really see him back there, and I still play him. I was always known for playing uh, like FTR thirty seven. You know, Freddie Tacone's amp, you know, amazing pedal platform amp, or I've got like a, an LDW back there, Lyle's amp, uh, the 39, which is like an EL34 kind of high watt meets more, but single channel amp. Um, I remember when my friends found out that I bought uh, a BE100 Deluxe, I thought, honestly, I thought there was going to be some sort of intervention. Because <laughs> <laughs> people were just like, What? But um, it can so, lower gain. Right. You can lower the gain, right? You can turn the gain down. Exactly. Lower the gain structure switch, you know? You exactly. Can, exactly. So quite clean, actually. Yeah. So that's the point. Like it, you know, uh, I will say that uh and, and Derek can attest to this. That was the first thing that I kind of chatted with Derek about was you know, the amp is is definitely great at metal, it's perceived as a metal brand but I can play the way I want to play through the sound and it's not a struggle. Um, yeah. The 120 is absolutely a beast, just like the BE 100 deluxe is a beast of an amp. The 120 I will say is, is definitely more modern. It's more uh, refined, but it's incredibly dialable. So I will tell you what I use the 120 for is when I need channel gain, especially if I'm going after like, uh, maybe like a Dan Huff style solo. Um, I'll go right to either the, if I want it to feel a little bit more saggy, I'll use channel four. If I want it to feel tighter, I'll use channel three. Uh, channel two on the generator 120 is definitely more kind of this JTM 45 kind of, and that's definitely a more vintage feeling channel. Um, that's, yeah, it's, it is, definitely there's a refinement there over like a vintage amp. Mm. Um, and I would say the revs a little more modern, but if I go down to the BE 100 deluxe, that's somewhere in between going a little bit more modern or going completely vintage to me, the BE 100 deluxe, uh, it's same thing. It's like, man, that just struck a nerve. It was like, okay, I know what I'll use this for. The plexi channel is insane. It's like, that's the channel I fell in love with. But then if I want a more kind of vintagey modded Marshall thing for a solo tone, then the Friedman's going to do it. The, the rev is not voiced that way. So I, you know, hope I, I guess I'm rambling, but does that make sense, Dave? Like yeah. best of both worlds is, you know, it's, it's yeah. like, if you say, it's like, if you say, if you own a studio and you have a, I have, I have a blackface Fender amp, I have a Vox amp, I have mm-hmm. a Marshall style amp, and I have a rectifier. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, That's you have the exactly. kind of modern, vintage, mm-hmm. you know, AC30. Well, that's AC30. That's a whole category of its own. Yes, it and, is. You know, a blackface Fender kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's a, you know, an amp like the BE100 or the the Rev. Any, you know, that's 
what I, I refer to as, you know, channel gain. I want that sound, that feel. I want to play through a bunch of glass with that gain as opposed to sometimes, which I also love running essentially a transistor circuit into a really great pedal platform amp. Anything from, you know, my uh, generator 740 will do that. My divided by 13 is excellent for that. My Sur is incredible for that. The, D, the DS40 loves that. Even though the DS40 can do gain, mm. um, my D20 loves that. So, you know, I just I just want all the worlds. But, you know, when it's channel gain, yeah. If I want more modern channel gain, uh, the 120, very dialable. But if I want more modded Marshall channel gain, then I lean on the, the 100 Deluxe. Makes total sense. Cool. Uh, we got Joe B. Thank you so much for the super chat. Very generous of you. Really appreciate it. <clears throat> Dave, thanks for all your help with my Jakey Lee 100, Purple SS1, and Pink Steve Steve v V2. Oh, you're a big fan, obviously. Also, yeah. thanks to... Oh, you should see these, man. <laughs> you should be pictures. And uh, they're all lined up, and there's all these colors, and it's amazing. Oh, that's beautiful. Wow. Uh, thanks to Blad for, and everyone else involved in the uh, Steve Stevens 2 build. What are your feelings about the Waza TAE only being safe if used with both resonance controls on low to avoid any ohm mismatch? I mean, you know, it. Uh, yeah, it is. I mean, it, it's as long as you're not using them way cranked up, you're okay. Kind of even if you're using them kind of in the middle, you're okay. You might even be okay if you're using them way cranked up, to be honest, but. I, I can't guarantee that, so I don't want you to play a vintage amp through it. Uh, if you really want something that will do great, if you're looking for attenuation, just get a Fryette PS100. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. It's great. If you want attenuation, it's killer. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you can always use that as a load, too, and go direct with some IRs in your computer and stuff, too. So. Okay. Yeah, I mean the fry the fry app's amazing, and honestly, I still have my I've got the Tone King, uh, uh, the Iron Man yeah, that's good too. thing is fabulous. It's, yeah, it's sitting right there. Yeah, I the love neat, that. You know, the neat thing about the fry app is it's a load and a power amp, so you got an effects loop in between, and then you can switch levels. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it takes yeah. like that new Marshall you got there, and mm -hmm. uh, and and all of a sudden makes it wow! I can use this with my pedal board and put a loop. A delay in the loop and wow that sounds cool and yeah to have yeah. something like post post power it sounds great is amazing yeah so that's where the priat's gonna that's pretty unbeatable yeah it's a great great tool mm -hmm. uh bruce is here in the chat thanks bruce hey bruce bruce Agnator. well bruce Agnator. hello answer, legend <laughs> answer tools knowing how to use them is the key that is true very true it's yeah. funny i just saw i just saw um, speaking of uncomfortable playing situations, so I just saw a video that just came out that was some um, jam or something. Some I don't know what was done. Some guitar show or something where it was Joe Satriani. I just saw that. Uh, Matthias Asato, Steve Lukather, and Eric Gales. Yikes! Wow. And they did a you know they did I did a Miles Davis song blues kind of thing. And it was just, you know, one guitar solo after the next guitar solo after the next. And seeing each of those guys with 
rental amps, I think, for everyone, except maybe Joe had his actual amps with his actual stuff because it sounded a little bit better. But the, like Luke Stone was atrocious. <laughs> You're oh, like, no. oh, gotta, it's like, holy crap, that's bad. Like, he got to not be having a good time there. Yeah. And uh, pretty much all the everyone else's tone was kind of atrocious. But going in, I'm like, well, I bet I know how this is going to come out. <laughs> Eric Gales. Eric Gales just wipes. Oh, okay, Luke, and then Eric Gales. Eric, say, Luke, Luke, Luke is amazing. Eric Luke. Gales top. Yeah. Luke second. Uh, I mean, Eric. Eric. Eric is crazy, right? And yeah. and you know what? He just starts off so simple and so slow, right? And really clean at first, and just some little stuff. And you're like, oh, that's oh, he's not playing that good yet. Yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then all of a sudden, he builds and builds. And then he puts on some pedal, and it's a little more distorted, and builds and builds and builds. And then he puts on, like, a different pedal or something, and it's, like, a different tone. And, you, and you're just like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Eric. Oh, Eric my is God. Good. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Even Luke's looking at him going, you know, stand <laughs> Yeah, Eric Gales can just that guy can just flat play. But he knew how to build it. Mm-hmm. And funny, funny, like we're watching him, and Jamie Kime works for me is sitting behind me, and and he's watching it too. And he goes, "Well, yeah, Luke and Eric are are playing all the chords. They're playing all the parts. They're playing their solos are in. in they're making all the changes, like properly. Yeah, and, playing and, through and, the changes. Yeah, 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 playing through the changes. And um." And it keeps him like, fuck Eric. <laughs> Jesus. You know? Yeah. It, it, Satriani was okay. Mateus sounded kind of out of his element. Out of his well, element. He might have he been. I mean, Mateus, that guy is absolutely brilliant. Oh, he is. He's an amazing player. But I, 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 I know I'd have, been, I'd have been scared to death. Like Put him on the spot like that? I don't know. Oh, yeah, man. That's, that's yeah. like, that's that's like well, let's say he's young, you know? Mm-hmm. Like these guys are really more seasoned, yeah. Especially guys like Luke and my God, the gigs and the number of things they played and the number of sessions that were done and mm-hmm. and Eric's that's he's just from a different planet. Yeah, that's the thing. Eric is. I mean, he's not a young cat, but he plays with soul that is well beyond his years. Oh, yeah, sure. it's he's crazy. An alien. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then watching all the riffs in reverse is really yeah freaky. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Man, what are you playing that thing upside down for? You know, the fun the funny thing is uh you see, you know, he'll be playing and he's building the solo, and then all of a sudden out of the blue, there'll be this lick that you've never seen in any other time you've watched him, mm-hmm. but it just comes from like somewhere else. Yeah, you know, that's that's Eric's one of those players. There's very what few players. Was that? Yeah, there's very few players I'll say this about, but there's players where it's like, okay, I got this guy figured out. And then you find out and you get your little heart broken because you have no idea what this guy's capable of. And Eric Gales, to me, seems to be one of those cats. And then, honestly, Mateus, he might have been out of his element, but same thing, I'll think I've got Mateus figured out. And then we'll be like, what just happened? You know? Yeah. So, but I, but that being said, I mean, Eric is, yeah, he's just hauntingly good. 
He's so good. Yeah. Excellent. It's like, like you're going on stage with Eric Gales. Oh, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Yeah, yeah I'm not even going to coil a cable for that guy. <laughs> uh, Mr. Anderson, how are you? Thanks for the super chat. Hey, guys, Mark, you're a big EVH fan. Yes, I am. Uh, I recently bought a Frankie, and I must say I'm surprised by how good it sounds. Uh, seven pounds, flame maple board, stays in tune, nice overall. Had guitars that cost ten times more and can hold its own. Yeah, man. Uh, the Frankie that they make is really nice, and the paint work on it is really good too. I think they put a lot of guys who were making fakes out of business <laughs> by making a really good one. So uh, I, I like the guitar. If they made a lefty, I'd probably own it, but they don't. Oh yeah, you're a lefty. Ooh. I keep forgetting that. That's why your guitars look weird back there. I'm trying no, to no. You just need to relearn how to play upside down like Eric Gales. Next slide. So you can just See? take a right guitar and flip it over and just play it, right? That's all you got to do, Mark. That's Anybody could do it. No big deal. Anyone could do that. It'll, it'll, it'll happen real quick. I can, now, once I know it one way, I can I can learn it the other way. Right? Well, yeah. It's just like golfing. Right? Your... Golf the other way. <laughs> now you got to talk into your mind. Oh. Okay. See. So, uh... <laughs> He hasn't even had much to drink yet. No, I haven't. I had one one beer. I'm I'm actually I'm I have to pee because of all this water I'm drinking. Uh, Bruce Hawkins, I don't see your question, bro. Um, I don't know where it is. If I find it, I will post. Oh, here it is. Uh, Sean, is that the PRS SE DGT behind you on the wall? Just ordered one. Very excited about it, Dave. Anything new regarding the vintage Plexi specs ETA? Uh. Okay, you'll be right back. I mean, he's already got one of these, but yeah, that's it is. That's cool. It's great. Honestly, they uh Bev sent me one out to try because I have that one there. And uh it's great. I immediately reached out to Mr. Grissom. To let him know it's yeah it's, let's rem go. it's remarkably good yeah it really is i mean I, I i guess i want it back at some point but she sent it to me to check out and uh i honestly even at the price point i can't i can't really find like an issue with it it's yeah it's a great guitar pickup sound great everything yeah awesome Re really good yeah it's good guitar so in regards to the vintage Plexi and the vintage Vox, well, I have chassis. I have transformers sitting here. I have uh, the boards that the stuff's going to get stuffed on, and I'm going to start stuffing shortly and making sure that it all works how I want it to work. And once I sign off on it cosmetically and everything else, we'll put it in production. So how long that will be? That's a good question. I imagine I'll have prototypes within a month. And then we'll see from there. We have to decide when we want to release them, too. But I know everyone's bugging the shit out of me about this. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, I bet. AC30 top boost style amp coming. Really? To match up to my copper top AC30 ion. Yeah, yeah. Combo or head? Because you can't really see. It's down behind me on the right below the red thing. Uh, I think it would be... Available in both. Nice. 
and there might be a 212 cabinet too so so you could pair it with a head like open back style box style cabinet you know oh that'd be nice cool. blues maybe yeah um but i don't feel that anyone has made a really good example of a vox that like yeah really like a real like like vox box right like a really good I'm not talking about the tremolo channel or anything, but you know, a really great old one that yeah. top boost that just sounds juicy and compressed and cool and yet can be aggressive too. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really exist. Not I mean, um, I mean, Matchless did sort of early on. Um, see, that's the thing when I think of when I think of Matchless, uh, uh, as amazing as those were, they're different. That was like the 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 bistro version, for mm -hmm. lack of a better term, of yeah. that magical top boost circuit. Yeah. The, the the whole magic of that is to be able to capture the compression that that happens when you when you crank one up and you get it to that kind of Tom Petty level of distortion, like six on the thing, mm -hmm. set the EQ just right, kind of in between position on a strat, and you just go clean. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't it, catch fire in about an hour and a half. Yeah, it doesn't catch fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but you're, you hit the nail on the head, Dave. It's like that yeah. is magical. It really is. That's and then the other thing will be a 50 watt style Marshall a la my 68 Plexi that I own hmm. with a built in Variac kind of thing. Oh, nice. Cool. That'll be cool. very cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Peter wants to know if you have any more plugins in the works. Mm. I want to. I have to have some discussions with our current company about that because uh, if they don't want to, I want to do it with someone else. <laughs> uh, Robert Baker. What's going, Robert? Uh, Robert, what's going on? He says on the YouTube side, I don't like the big launch all in one day as a viewer. He likes it because they maybe can watch a couple from the guys that he likes side by side at the beginning. That's what Sean said. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So maybe it's half and half. Maybe a couple guys first, and another couple guys a week later, and another couple guys a week later. Derek, what's the difference between a Rev One Twenty and the Rev G Twenty, other than the wattage? I'll be back. Uh, man, uh, lots. Um, mostly, though, I would say two different channels that don't exist in the G Twenty: the red channel and essentially the green channel. Um, Power section, obviously, not just the wattage, but the G20 is a 6V6 powered amp where the 120 is typically 6L6 or KT88. Um, yeah. So there's a, yeah, or 34s if you want. Yeah. So there's a, yeah, there's a lot of things in there. Um, the new 120s have the built in noise gates and reverb and yeah. The, the G20 is um, really great if you're, if you're primarily playing like at home or an apartment, that's really where it was designed for, or for like smaller club gigs and that. If you're if you're playing bigger stages or want to run a 212 or a 412, that's more what the 120 is designed for. Um, you know, there's other things on the like the contour switch and stuff like that, or the I think it's called the cut switch on the on the newer ones that um, is in the 120 that's not in the G20, but it is voiced after the like the drive channel on the G20 is voiced after the purple channel from the 120. So if you're looking for that, which is probably the sound that Rev is most known for, 
if you're looking for that, the G20 is a, a great option for that. And it's nice and lightweight. Like it weighs nine pounds. So, mm. you know, moving it around is, is not difficult. Where the 120 is like 50 pounds. So 48 pounds, somewhere around there. Yeah. Well this, well, this is a good timing of this story from Rummy. Thanks for the super chat. Derek, gig story. My Princeton was down, so I took the D20 to my jazz gig. The horn guy says, the tone was rich. If I can't be rich, glad my tone can be. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, the the D20 is one of the, like, one of my favorite amps that we build um, because it is, like, for, I, I love pedals, so it's a perfect pedal platform amp for, um yeah, for me. So I, uh, yeah, it has a, it has a little bit of gain if you want, like you can pull the boost, um, on it and, you know, take it to kind of edge a breakup, but yeah, it's great for, I mean, that's what we use primarily when we do gear and beer because we, we go direct with, uh, the two notes torpedo stuff that's built into it and yeah, makes it nice and easy. Cool. Yep. Uh, Jay Busk. Thanks for the question again. Opinions on the new Jet City Custom BE clone clone amps? Did you see this, Dave? BE clone amps. I got nothing. I don't think he's cloning a BE. I don't know, but you're going to look into it now. I know that. <laughs> oh, if he is, I'm going to buy one, my friend. <laughs> I know Doug. What's really that? Well. I know Doug who owns Jet City really well, so I don't. I don't think so. Mm. okay uh let's see scrolling 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 um we've got lots of people Even if it was, i'm not worried <laughs> yeah uh yeah and that was uh kenny arnoff on drums on that video yeah. um let's see it's you know luke stopped dying his hair yeah, he look, kind of looks like a little old grandma, doesn't he? Yeah, he's looking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think he looks. I good. like it. No, yeah, I like. I, I like. I personally like the way he looks too. I, I you yeah. Know, well, it's better good. than the dyed facial hair and the and the stuff going on. You know, it's just like. Yeah. It's like at some age, at some point, obviously, at some point, it's like, yeah, you know, Let's you got to be it. natural about. It. Look at Jimmy Page. Come on. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and then the other thing I I love Luke. Luke is one of the nicest guys I've ever I've ever. He's cool. You know, he's so cool. Just the way he came on our show twice, and just he answers my emails if I email him when he was coming here with Ringo Starr's band. I wanted to see if he could meet. Um, it just he responded to me like. Did like, you? No, we did. He he was. He, they were protecting Ringo from oh, COVID, okay. and unfortunately, okay. Ringo still ended up getting COVID. Yeah. Um, they had to cancel the tour. Ever, everyone had. It winds up, you know. Yeah, unfortunately. But uh, I Everyone saw it. Sean, did you get it? No. If oh, I you never got it? it? No. <laughs> wow, good for you. Yeah. I just, but I don't get the flu either. Yeah, um, but you're due. <laughs> probably, yeah, I probably like, did, maybe, I probably maybe after this flu and called it a cold. Say, but, tomorrow, yeah, Sean's funny. just going to be wrecked. Like, yeah, tomorrow, just, yeah, tomorrow he's yeah. gonna send me a text and he's gonna go. Oh, I see you. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. I had it, it was, twice. It was oh, brutal, gosh. and you don't want it. Trust me. I had it I twice, and the second time was kind of brutal, and I still think I have lingering symptoms from it. I've heard. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I've heard it's a booger. I mean, I, I've had. I've got friends that have more kind of what would be considered like long COVID. It's mm-hmm. it's a booger, but yeah, I just I I count myself really lucky. 
I mean, like I said, the shoe's probably going to drop tomorrow, and I'll be calling you guys from the ICU. <laughs> just, just. Uh, it's okay. I mean, like you'll you'll make it. I mean, it's just like people. I mean, most people make it through it. So yeah. It's, yeah. yeah, yeah, you'll be fine. Especially these days with mm. all the treatments and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, touchdown, Jesus again wants to know, uh, Sean, what tubes are you running in your Rev 120? Have you tried others? I have. Uh, what's in it right now? And this one is uh, EL 34s. You can bias it for whatever you want. I've tried uh, 6L6s in it. 6Ls are a little bolder, obviously, in the low end. Um, I've done combinations that sound cool, big bottles and small. I mean, I would say overall, uh, I tend to, with that amp, like EL34s. But it's it's really kind of to each his own. It's like, it's kind of funny with tubes. And I think, Dave, you can attest to this. It's like the transformer is kind of reacting to the tube. The tube's reacting to the transformer. If you were to actually AB really quickly with the same exact transformer, EL34s, 6L6s, KT88s, you know, you name it. It, the difference is you'll find a bit more negligible or, you know, yeah. than you think. Um, I tend Extremely. to, yeah. So I tend to like EL34s. I like them because I, there's a perceived bark there, but I will say at the end of the day, it's, it's a lot more subtle. Well, when you, when you yeah. take two identical amps. Yes. That's what I mean. And, yeah. um, Bias, you know, just bias them up both, and and then you know, um, uh, listen on an amp switcher, yeah. where you're really clicking back and forth, yeah, seamlessly playing, and then you're dialing both of the amps in to sound like each other. Yeah, now that's the key. You're twisting the knob slightly mm-hmm. to dial it in to sound. You know, you might be hard pressed to tell the difference. Now that that is true. One thing I I will say, and it was an amp that Dan and I were dialing in. We were kind of trying to decide, you know, uh, Dan Trudeau and myself between EL thirty fours and six L sixes without touching the amp, just doing a really quick bias, play, 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 play and then bang the new tubes in from EL34 to 6L6. Um, and we made brutally sure not to touch anything at the front of the amplifier. Um, yeah, then I was like, you know what? I think I like 6Ls. But that's when I was starting to hear like the bolder low end. But like you're saying, Dave, if you put the two amps side by side, bias them up, what's going to happen is if you're going for the, you know, it's like, well, this one has you're going to dial it to fix whatever it was you heard in difference between the two. So then you get into the feel thing. My perception is always uh, 6L6s tend to be a little bit more immediate to me. But then again, you know, it is, it's, it's subtle. So I tend to lean towards, I mean, I love 6V6s because of the way once you start really pushing a 6v6 it go even if it's an american voice amp as you start kind of pushing those it all of a sudden starts sounding a little more british do you perceive that dave like 6v's have like a thing about them as you push them harder that i don't notice as much with 
like a 6L, you know, or even an EL84. An EL84 to me is just very EL84, but there's something about like a 6V6 power tube. When you really push that tube, it, it, it just becomes something else, at least in my perception. I mean, yeah. that's how I fell in love with them, you know? Six I, I, yeah. You know, I'm not always the biggest fan of 6V6s because I always find that there's this weird top end thing that happens that I don't really like with them when you push them. They get a little fizzy, right? A little fizzy on the top, and it gets a yeah. little weird for me. Also, it's probably a really bad idea to design any app with a 6v6 right now. Well, <laughs> because <Yep. laughs> yep. there is a just isn't any. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the ones all, that are around are very expensive now. The, the JJ one is a good sounding tube. But you can't use it in a combo. So if you're making a 6v6 combo, forget it. It's out the window. Very rugged. Works really well. It, it's cool. And then the only other option is Russian. And yeah. that's the whole, you know, well, that's triple. Yeah. Right yeah. If you can get them. Yeah. So, and, and there just isn't like, there. I mean, at least with the EL34s, you, you have a new Chinese variant that is good. Uh, you have JJ still. And then you have like four or five different Russian ones, which are still going to be too expensive to buy right now. But you have them. Um, at least there's lots of options there. Mm -hmm. And probably Shugong will be back in the next couple months. So oh, yeah. you'll have another option so oh yeah okay yeah so and then six l6s uh, you have several options with six l6s still you know similar but six v sixes man uh-uh <laughs> no. do you make any amps derek with uh six v six oh our top selling amps are all six v six right now oh and really they're just they're Rough. just the, the d20 and the g20 are uh six v six and my favorite amp that we build is uh the generator 740 and uh we bought uh every new old stock tube that we could buy during the pandemic and we were buying 6v6s that are from 1974 from china Great. that yeah that that when they work are awesome but the failure rate on them because it's literally the last of the shit that they had available from like that tube amp doctor could like pull out of wherever in china um yeah our failure rate on them is atrocious right now um but well we tried the chinese ones and those are also failure rate is atrocious <laughs> oh yeah the the new ones like the ps vein, um, PS vein or yeah red base or whatever they want to call them yeah. so we got we got uh red base 6v6s um and they seem fine so far but we'll see we don't, we've only gotten like 1500 of them so far. It's not like we're not far into it yet. So they can yeah. be, a, yeah, they can be a booger, but they do well, when they're working, they sure sound good, <laughs> but they're, they're really expensive now though. Like when, yeah. when we started out doing this, they were less than half the price of what they are now. Um, we pay either the same amount or like within 50 cents difference of a six L six for a six V six. And yeah, like oh, it used to be that they were half the price. Dude. If you're if you're getting Russian ones, forget it. I mean, you know, you're yeah. you're getting you're getting their inflated rate, and then you get the the tariff on top of it. At least for yeah. us, 
Yeah, it, it's the same here. It's like 35% tariff. Yeah, and, and it's the same you know, with preamp tubes, like $18 or something cost. Yeah, yeah. Like, and like, same with Russian birch, right? Like, like trying to find Baltic birch that isn't considered from Russia or that you can prove that it's not from Russia, trying to get it into Canada. I mean, I think we did the same thing that Avi did, that we bought up everything that we could find. Yeah. Um, right right well, we when, uh, for like five years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, we bought whatever we could find. And well, at a premium, some of that was bought at too. So, oh, yeah. Oh, huge. Yeah. Well, I yeah, mean, I mean, we used to better, pay better than it was. I mean, better than now, but yeah. I remember when I started, we paid $35 Canadian for an 18 mil sheet of like five, five, five by five sheet of Baltic birch. And now yeah. that same sheet, it's like about 140 bucks. Jesus. Yeah. 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 So like it's, if anyone yeah. wonders why prices of amps have gone up, <laughs> well, guess what? Right there, baby. Yeah. Everything's gone up. That's just crazy. Uh, yeah. Joe, Joe Robin, uh, Jet City doesn't clone a BE, but more of a Jose mod, but references Friedman in the description on the site. Uh-oh. Yeah, I just read that. <laughs> yeah, you saw the link I just sent you? <laughs> reference Friedman, per se. It's f oh. but Oh. F-man. I don't care. Yeah. yeah. I actually used to mod him for, for him a long time ago. Nice. Um, It's probably not exactly that, so. Right, I don't know what he's doing. I'll make him send me one. <laughs> yeah. Hey, since you're using F men on your site, can you send right. me one? <laughs> can you send me an effing one then? <laughs> oh God. Um, let's see. Uh, John DeShane. Glad you're on the men, Mark. Oh, thanks for the super chat and the thought. I really appreciate it. Uh, Dave, what brand EL34s are shipping with the new BE100 Deluxes, and how diff- are they different from the EHs? Well, believe it or not, I mean, we still have some EHs that we've had forever because we had huge quantities of them, but we also have stuff from PS Vane that we have branded our own boutique brand. Uh, which are like the red base uh, Tad EL34. Yeah. Mm. They're the same too. And they're great, actually. They sound great. Yeah, they we've had no. Really close to a, an old German EL34, which is awesome. Nice. Pete, Pete did a little test on his channel with that. Mm-hmm. We nice. went back and forth. Mm-hmm. We've been using the red base 6L6s for a while now, too, um, just because JJ was forever. And we've had no issues with those the, the taller bottle ones right yeah yeah which is what they call ps van calls the 5881 which okay. is red base 6l6 and what we call the bt 6l6 they're all the same too yeah um that they know, those are really good i remember avi called me during like during the great tube crisis of <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> 2022 and he's like i got a place you can buy tubes and i'm like ps vane he's like you know about this already i'm like yep i'm like yeah i'm like it's good stuff man like um yeah. i i'm interested that you said that uh like shugawang is supposed to be back up in a few months because i've been hearing that for the last like i think five years that it's well it's well coming, but it's, we we uh so the president of that company was involved in our dealings with ps vane directly okay Nice. So we were buying stuff directly, which most people weren't. Yeah. Um, 
So he was part of our dealings. So we at least have some information from him. At least that's what he said. Yeah. So, and that, that was supposed to be coming around this month. I thought. Oh, I, I cool. Changing. That's good news. Well, we'll see if, you know, if they can, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a, a little uh, bump in the road there with them. I'm sure like the first things they produce might not be perfect. Right. You know, they might have some difficulty getting back into production, but. I remember every, like every problem straightened out eventually. Yeah. We, we started buying direct from them right when we started. And I mean, we were obviously buying very low quantity, but they let us for some reason. And, uh, I still remember that the preamp tubes that we get from them, like their 12AX7 was the, in my opinion, our amps never sounded better than those tubes that we used to get. Um, the sure. failure rate was very high. And somebody asked about failure rate. Yeah, failure rate's 20% or north. Um, like for what yeah. I consider something atrocious, that's, yeah. Once it hits 20%, I'm like, this is... The old Chinese preamp tubes are fantastic. Uh, they're they're yeah. going to be microphonic in first slots. But yeah. I've used those for years. They they were probably the least the the least failure rate, best quality tube you could buy. Yeah. Uh, uh, and when those went away, it was sad. We used to use just a JJ in the first slot in Chinese the Chinese and the rest. That yeah. was the old recipe. Um, which worked great because the J in big production you, you can't be sitting there messing looking for the quiet tube. No. And for the mission yeah. through the box of a hundred to find the yeah. five quiet tubes in the whole box. Yeah. That doesn't work in yep. pre-production. You gotta basically put the tubes in it. They're all good. Great. They're all good. Great. Yeah. 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 Derek, did you guys consider uh changing the uh the layout of the amps to accommodate like an EL eighty four or something like that instead of get rid of the sixty sixes? Uh, yeah, the new stuff that we're coming out with, um, like some stuff at NAM this year and afterwards, we, we've just moved to like a pair of six L sixes for, for some designs instead of a quad of six V sixes. Um, we've talked about EL 84s, but, uh, honestly, anytime I've ever brought it up with Dan, he's just kind of dismissed it pretty quickly as he, he loves six L sixes and KT 88s. So that's what he's what he's normally going to design around Sean and I will push about the six V sixes, especially for um, like my favorite amp that we build is the generator seven forty, and it's a quad of six V sixes. And uh, yeah, we bug him about that. And it's, yeah, uh, he, it never goes over well. <laughs> like it's always, it's always like, nope. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'll design something and you guys play it and tell me uh, if it matters that much. Um, and so far he has not been wrong. Everything he, anytime he's ever said, yeah, yeah, you have an idea about what parts or what components I should use. I'll build something, you sit and play it, and you tell me if, you know. Yeah. Yeah, been, and he's never been, he's never been wrong when he's yeah, done that. Yeah, it's, so. it's been inarguable because there's, you know, in my mind, there's things I'm like, well, it should be six Vs or it should be this component or that component. And Dan will just say, well, let me do my thing, and then if you don't like it, you let me know. And, yeah, uh, I've never... I've been like, oh, okay, do your thing, Dan. <laughs> yes. Okay, cool. You know, yep. uh, Jay Carrega, uh, thanks for the super chat. Ringo got COVID twice in three weeks. They only canceled four shows. Oh, wow. I thought at the end of the tour, though, or close to the end of the tour, they he got COVID and they just canceled the tour. But maybe I was wrong. I saw them. They were great. Uh, uh, you know, my wife and I love 
seeing the all-star band. It was really, it was cool. I mean, come on, man. Ringo Starr. It's like people, you know, I know there's like, he's not the greatest drummer. He is the greatest drummer. Think about the parts he wrote in those Beatles tunes. He could have just played the same old two and four Mm -hmm. any other drummer would have done, but he didn't. Yeah, Ringo, yeah. Ringo's the man. Listen think, from that perspective. Think about Come Together. Oh, just come on. the drumming on that alone. Yeah. So or, inventive. Yeah. You, you could have just went. Dun, 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 dun. It's like. Right, yeah, right. Ringo even in the beginning. Yeah, it's like, come on, man. The dude wrote parts. He didn't just play drums. I mean, yeah, Ringo. Sorry, I got off on a tangent. No, no, I mean he was. I was talking to my brother today about Ringo. So, you, well, know. you know who was playing the drums with the the, the All Star Band was. What's that? Tomorrow is what? Oh, uh, is he? Oh, he's working on. What's he working on? He's coming. He's coming here to do some stuff. Ooh, secret side, side, side wiring. Nice. Who's this? Sean's brother. Oh, I didn't. I didn't hear you. Okay, cool. Bonnie. Anyways, yeah, so that's how I got on the Ringo thing is I was just talking to Lonnie about how great Ringo is because Lonnie's, Lonnie's a great drummer. used to play drums. Oh. We were talking about how amazing Ringo is, but Lonnie's been wiring amps, so yeah. I see. Well, Greg Bissonette was playing with the, uh, with the All-Star Band, and Ringo would get on the drums and play with them, and it was great. I mean, Oh, yeah. Yeah, I really yeah. enjoyed it. Uh, let's see. Jason Sears. Uh, Derek, what was the inspiration for the cleanest channel on the generator? Derek and Dave does the Philex cleanup and are the cleans plexi-like? So I can't really say what the inspiration was on the generator's clean channel because Dan's the one who designed it. But I think it honestly just that he wanted a clean channel and a high gain amp that wasn't stiff and that was pedal friendly. Um, cause a lot of amps that, like I said, stuff that we had available to us up here growing up things, you know, not that I'm trying to shit on them, but things like boogies and, and PVs aren't really well known for their clean channels. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think just like something that you'd be able to use that, you know, was decently warm and kind of rounded. Um, yeah, I'd say that's probably about it. But again, he's, he's the guy to speak to about that. Not me. Okay. So and and I have no idea how well the Philex cleans up. I don't play it that way. So, yeah, Dave, Dave can say that. Uh, I mean, you know, it's it's like, I mean, are you if you're going to use the Philex, you're going to use the gain on ten. What are you going to do? I mean, how are you going to set it up? What kind of pickups do you use in your guitar? I mean, uh, will it clean up? Well, if you roll down, you know, if you have a JB humbucker in your guitar and you roll it down, no, it's going to sound not really that cool or that really clean or that great if you have a paf style humbucker or something in your guitar and you roll it down it's going to get a little sparkly and kind of cool and kind of nice you know if you have some single coils in your guitar and then maybe switch to a a bridge middle position or or neck middle position and do that and roll your guitar volume up that's a whole nother tone so it's I said, I grew up on, you know, this is where we're going to go. Now, I grew up on Marshalls. Uh, I mean, from almost day, I mean, I had some other crappy amps along the way early on, but, you know, once I got in there, it was it was Marshalls, and it was a single channel thing. Back then, there, it wasn't really, there wasn't channel switching, really, you know. It was single channel amps. Maybe you had a pedal to push it harder, 
Maybe you didn't. You use your volume knob a lot. You use your pickup selection a lot. And that's how I learned to play guitar. And and how you can coax tones out of one channel with your pickups and your guitar. And I always was like kind of a super strat kind of guy, which was two singles and a humbucker to me, because I thought it was the most versatile selection of stuff you could do. And there's so many sounds you can get just with your volume knob and the three pickups in your guitar or the in-between positions. I mean, God, it's, it's crazy, you know? Yep. Um, mm -hmm. Can I get a clean sound? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Plexi-like, sort of, yes. <laughs> what, what, and what Plexi are you referring to? Is oh, that I was going to say, it's like, okay. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's, like, it's like when someone says... My amp doesn't sound like a Marshall. What Marshall are you referring to? Mm -hmm. I, I always get into this with people about that. So now, for my idea of what a great Marshall is, is an old Plexi lead channel Marshall cranked up. It's a very cutting, bright tone, but it also has this compression. When you crank it, it has wicked compression and gain. And when people say things are too compressed, I'm like, man, Eddie Van Halen's super lead Marshall was compressed as fuck with the variac and stuff. It, 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 it sagged. You could feel the compression, and that's what gave it that juicy kind of feel and sustain to it. You also can roll it off with your volume knob and make it like crystal, crystal clean, clean yep. you know, especially on a plexi amp like that. It's, it gets really bright, really sparkly. Yep. So on an amp like that, you can do so much with this volume knob and stuff. So very true. I always want to sometimes lock people in a room. Okay, this is what you got. Figure out all the zones you get, and no, you can't have more gain. Yeah, or yeah, lock lock them in a room with a with a super lead and uh, uh, an LP Junior. Yeah, an old one. That's yeah. all you get. You get tone volume one pickup in the bridge. You can tie a knot in the cable if you want, but you got to drag all of it out of this amp and this guitar. And and, you and if if they spend the time, you'll find there's oh yeah. If I don't use the pick and I do this, if I roll the tone off, if I roll the volume off, if I roll them both back closer to the neck, closer to the bridge. Yep. Yep. How many times you see Stevie later on doing that? Stevie was like all the way up here. Oh yeah, and right next to the chord he was playing. Well, there's a reason for that. He wasn't doing it to be cute. I mean, it did look cool, but warmer. Yeah, it sounded killer. It sounded so, warmer. Yeah, yep. there's a lot. There's a lot to that. You know, there is a lot to that. Yeah. Uh, stay curious. Is curious what guitar is? Oh, right there, the blue one. Uh, that's a GNL Legacy that Ooh. I have. Yeah. Um, that was custom made matching headstock. Um, and it's uh, a nice piece of light ash and swamp ash, I believe. And oh, yeah. um, mm -hmm. it's got Lindy Fralins in it. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Yes. There's uh, the. Let's the talk about Lindy for a second. Uh oh. <laughs> no, no. He's okay. great. <laughs> oh, we love Lindy. We love oh, Lindy. Great pickups, man. It's like, yeah, he's great. I, my my theory on Lindy is he doesn't make a bad pickup. No, he doesn't. And they're great always. And different flavors, different mm -hmm. 
different styles, you know, what are you looking for? And he's such a cool guy. Yeah. He's a sweet, super nice. He was awesome. Yeah. He he does incredible stuff, but uh, those GNL guitars, especially the, the one behind you is a very underrated strat. Absolutely. Really good guitars. I agree. I agree. It's, uh, it's as good as. This is good. Anything. As, as anything. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you, it, you know, high, any high end strat, it's as good. Which and for me, like with, uh, with Freeland's, uh, I just like, I mean, it's like Dave said, he doesn't make anything. is isn't amazing, but I've always liked the, anything that's slightly overwhelmed that he does. <laughs> Just to me, sounds really, really good. Mm. I guess, I guess, in back in the day, what what was he calling it? Dave Blues Wound? Like there was hot. I can't remember all the. So there was so the so the original ones were the vintage hots, right? Which were a great sounding pickup. Mm -hmm. The second set of pickups he did were was the Woodstocks. Yep, the Mm. reverse staggered magnets. Yeah, that didn't use use the. Okay, so that the original ones used, uh, I remember it was like a copper color wire. And then there was like purple wire, which was the, 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 the Woodstock ones. Now, what coating was on each, I can't remember. I know, I know some are form bar and some are something else, but it was from the era of strap pickups. Yeah. Uh, so the, the vintage hots were from the 60s. And the Hendrix was the late 60s when it, it changed a bit. And, and to be honest, I'm not sure the magnets that are used in both of those or if they're the same or not. Yeah. And I used to love the Woodstock ones. I mean, I love the vintage hot ones. That They were more like the Stevie Ray Vaughan kind of stingy sort yeah. of strap pickup. And then the Hendrix ones were a little bit rounder. Mm-hmm. But then he did the blues ones, which I think were kind of like the Hendrix ones with the regular stagger magnets. And I think, well, I think those were the ones that hooked me Yeah. Um, uh, initially. But, yeah, I mean, he's always... Yeah, well, it's like you said, that guy can't make a pickup. It doesn't sound great. His yeah. hum canceling P90s. Mm. I haven't tried those. Are they good? Killer. Yeah. By far the best hum canceling P90 available. Wow. Okay. Yeah, they just sound really good. Do they sound exactly like a vintage P90? Maybe not, but do they sound great or as close as you're going to get with a hum canceling P90? Yes. Mm. Nice. Yeah, I haven't tried those. There's a couple other ones I haven't tried that I really want to try. He has like some sort of hum canceling tally pickup mm. that is kind of a unique thing that he's doing now. Nice. That kind of came from the P90s. Okay. And I'm like, I kind of want to hear what that is. <laughs> well, yeah, because I mean, there's so many tally cats, especially here in Nashville, that they really what they want is a, a P90 in the bridge, but not quite as fat. I think that's what he does. Yeah. So they want the tally pickup, but closer to a P90 kind of thing. Like a canceling P90 and a tele pickup. Mm-hmm. Sounds cool to me. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Yep. Dig it. Um, we've got uh, Simon Hosford. Hey, Simon. Hope hey, you're doing Simon. well. Simon's an awesome uh, player. He plays in an EVH, uh, where it does a lot of really e- awesome EVH style playing. He's great. Uh, who was it that asked 20 minutes ago about the Boss TAE reactive load? I have some good info from lots of hours mucking with it. Oh, I'm not sure who asked, but if they are still watching, check out uh, Simon and reach out to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've gotten down to the bottom of the chat, and I am getting pretty tired. 
So um, <laughs> I don't know about you guys. Uh, it's getting late. No, um, I'm good, man. Let's go. <laughs> you ready to roll? You ready to keep going for the four hour? Four hour. Show, Mark. Four hour. <laughs> you know, I had so much enthusiasm when we first started the show. <laughs> That's why you can do the four hour shows then. When we first started, it was like four or five hours. Sure, we'll keep going. Now I'm like, uh, it's two hours and 15 minutes. I'm ready to die. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! I think yeah. I did a three-hour show with Jason the other day or something. <laughs> yeah, you you guys went long. I I think I don't, actually I didn't pay attention to what uh, how long we went, but I know it was over two hours. Yeah, uh, that's a real lefty telly behind me um, over there. That's a uh, it's a custom shop relic, heavy relic strat. I mean, uh, telly. Um, it's amazing. I absolutely love that guitar. If you want. I'll grab it real quick. But if you fix your camera, will it be actually right-handed like it's supposed to be? Isn't there like a mirror setting or something? Let me, I'll, <laughs> let me try that. The the inversion. So it's Ooh, that looks oh nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The wood, the grain and the wood in that upper part. That was cool. Yeah, the grain on this is great. Mm -hmm. And they really scratched nice. up though. Yeah, they really did a great yeah. job. It's pretty on cheap, it. but you can't play it, so you can't have it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is great. Although it's when I bought it, it said no caster, but it still says Telecaster on it. So, but the paperwork says no caster, so I'm not really sure why that is. That'd be a question uh, for Tom Bukovac. Yeah, but yeah, this is a great guitar, and um, I got it at a good price too. And now custom shop guitars from Fender are like really expensive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um. Yeah, thanks yeah. for asking, Graphite and Guitars. Forty-five hundred might be the average for the custom shop. Yeah, I paid thirty-one hundred for it. So nice. So how does that work? You get a custom shop guitar, you pay thirty-one hundred. Can I sell it for forty-five hundred? Maybe I mean, or, sell for or, whatever you want if someone to give you the money. Yeah, <laughs> cool. I mean, right. Yeah, I'm just like, right can I make now. money on? Am I making money on the on the deal or no? Maybe not. Well, you know, you to, first you got to find a lefty to sell it to. That's <laughs> yeah, that's the tough part. Makes the market a little smaller. It's mm -hmm. a, it's so true. It's so true. Uh, oh shoot, shit! It's like a reverse universe. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. I've been dealing with it my whole life. Um, uh, all right, so we are um, we're going to wrap up the show. I want to thank Derek and Sean so much for you guys coming on the show. Um, I know we've been talking about it for a while, and uh, you guys are awesome. Both. Oh, of thanks for having us, man. Oh, thanks. A ton of fun. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, the one question I had for you, Derek, before you run, what's the biggest yep. selling product for for Rev? Uh, either the probably the G three pedal, um, as far as pedals go, um, and then amps, uh, either the D twenty or the G twenty. Okay. Yeah. Guys, check out Sweetwater to make sure you go check out Rev products. They are there. Yeah. And uh, the best play. rev product is the tilt of all of our pedals, hands down. <laughs> and I'm and not Mark saying that I'm not saying that just because he's here, but hands down, it's uh, the boost side of the tilt I use with any amp. It doesn't matter, like not just our amps. I use it, and it's kind of an always-on thing for me um, with anything that I play. And I, uh, yeah, I, I had nothing to do with the design on any of it, other than. Talking to Sean and Dan and saying, hey, you guys should do a, you know, we should do a pedal with Sean. And uh, 
yeah, it's it's one of my favorite pedals. Like, and I probably own 500 pedals. And I know that that's conflict of interest because we build it. But again, I had shit to do with it, and it uh, sounds fucking great. So, awesome. yeah. yeah, I like it. But you know, I'm uh, yeah. Oh, it's a great pedal. I'm really, I mean, it, it really is. I, I had to take it off my uh, uh, out of the chain there uh, to show it. Um, guys, check out Ben Coombs, Coombs' channel if you if you get a chance. He's going to have uh, Charles Green. I'm not familiar with him, but uh, nice. Sunday night. Ben's a nice, nice. guy. Ben is a good chat. Yep. Um, and our next show is probably going to be an Ask Dave show. Haven't scheduled it yet. And then we've got some other people coming coming up. Uh, who is the person that I mentioned, Dave? I can't remember the, that I said was going to come on. Um, Not the you, one in the email that you sent. No, right? no, no, no. This was. Uh, I don't hmm. know. Oh, anyway. I can probably dig up some people too. Yeah, we've got. I mean, we've got. There's always people. It's funny that we always go to book these guests, right? And we're just like, who are we going to book now? We're going to book now. And then sometimes it just dawns on me, well, shit, what about him? Of course, I know him really well. I just call him on the phone. <laughs> you guys, have you guys ever thought about Lyle Workman? Do you know Lyle, Dave? Lyle, yeah, I know Lyle. Lyle. Yeah, Lyle. Lyle on, man. I want to do Billy Howardell. Oh, that'd be cool. That'd be uh, really Andy fun. Fukes agreed. Oh, Andy yeah. Fuchs, yeah. 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 Um, I want to do um, – oh, there's a bunch I want to do. Yeah. One of these days we'll get Jerry Cantrell. That would be nice. We have like pulling teeth to try to make this happen, but yeah. How cool would that be, though? What about if you guys agreed to it? it, It's just about scheduling, really. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get? Have you guys had Dean on yet? Dean Delay. Yeah. Did you get Dean? Okay. Yeah, we had Dean. I I want to do Robert. Yeah, Robert. Yeah, I, I Dean said that he uh, he passed over the information to Robert, but I I think they were touring at the time and. Yeah, and everything. Yeah, they're in, they're Robert, in New Zealand that right guy, now. That guy has an amp and guitar collection that's killer. He knows more yeah. about amps than I will ever know. I'd love to have Robert on the show. Robert's he's a, a sweetheart. He's the sweetest cat. It'd be so cool I, if you guys could get him on. I mean, I've known both of those guys since like 1980, yeah. or 90 or whatever. Yeah, the you go back as far as I do with him. I mean, yeah. yeah. It'd be awesome. Um, well, thank you guys all for viewing the show and, and you know, really appreciate it. We'll uh, check out our social media and uh, we'll announce when we're going to be back. You guys hang on while we say, while we uh, get off offline here. Okay. And uh, everybody have a great weekend. Thank right. you. Cheers. Appreciate it.